Welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live podcast number 241. Uh, thank you guys for joining me this week. Hope you guys had a fantastic uh, week since last last show. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's see. What do we got? Let's see who we have going on. Obviously, I've already penned a bunch of questions, so we have a great some, some, some subjects to talk about. Um, I don't really have anything to talk about today in anything interesting. Um, maybe a couple things. Maybe. Um, we'll do some giveaways today. We'll give away a guitar crate. I didn't give a, away a guitar crate last week um, because it was just chaotic. Remember when the internet kind of dropped? And uh, we'll be watching that today to make sure the internet doesn't drop. Uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, maybe we'll do two. Like I said, we'll definitely do one for sure. And uh, real quick, I have this thing. Uh, we've, we've enabled the member uh, uh, thing on YouTube uh, where you pay a fee and then it like supports the channel. It's like a patron, but on YouTube, we were, remember I was apprehensive about doing this. I kind of turned it on and didn't really announce it. And I've got a few on there. And, uh, again, you guys are like my beta test test group for this. And, uh, I just want to announce that, uh, Claude just joined. I just saw it. Welcome to the KYG crew. One thing I will tell you about it. Um, I'm kind of looking into this idea of what I liked was I can sort comments across all the videos from all time by members. And then I can respond to those comments. That was kind of cool. So there you go. That was kind of interesting. But like I said, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm not sure what it is yet, how I'm going to use it, if I'm going to use it. Um, but let's uh, thank you guys for, for joining uh, that have done it. And uh, let's, uh, like I said, we have some questions pinned um, to talk about. We have some super chats to talk about. We also, what else? I think that's it. Let's get into it. Let's get right into it. Um, the first one came from Fred. And Fred, I, I want to thank you for this question because I know you've been posting it a couple times the last couple of weeks. And I saw it. I wanted to answer it. And then, you know, got chaotic. And uh, so thank you for coming today and putting it uh, first so it got my attention again. It says, hey, Phil, I love the show. A lot of people say the uh, – he's talking about the Marshall DSL-40 – is one of the best amps for its price. What are your thoughts about that? I did a shootout with that amp once. Uh, I don't remember what I compared it to. <laughs> that was long, that long ago. I thought it was maybe against the Hot Rod Deluxe. Might have been something like that. And uh, I love that amp. I think it's a great amp. I mean, it's it's got Marshall vibe. It's got a good clean channel. It's a great pedal platform. Um, I've heard like a lot of amps like that. You know, I've heard a, a rumbling here and there that it's, you know, they had tech, you know, issues. Like somebody has it and says, oh, it crapped out on them or it was acting up. But overall, I've had good experiences with that amp. Uh, my friends that I know that have it have good experiences with an amp. And I think it's a really strong go-to platform. Um, for me, a lot of times... There's two reasons for me to like an amplifier. And one, of course, is it inspires me or I love it. You know what I mean? It's doing something magical. Um, but I find that's a very, well, one, <laughs> that's very hard to find. And two, when you do find that magical thing, it's short-lived. What, what I mean by that is it doesn't like the newness wear off. It just, it doesn't always do that. You can't find an amplifier that's just always perfect and magical in every room, every situation, every day. You know what I mean? And so to me, that's one thing. And the second thing I'm looking for is very amp that has a great utility, you know, kind of to it. In other words, the idea that I, it's a great pedal platform or it has a great tone by itself. If I'm not in the mood to hook up pedals, uh, I can use it as raw power. If I want to run you know, some kind of, you know, uh, uh, 
profiler or a modeler through it. You know what I mean? It's, it's again, it's very utilitarian. Just is perfect for me. That amp fits the bill, in my opinion, as this great uh, amp. And over the years, I fell in love with all kinds of amps. During the this run of the YouTube channel, doing gear reviews, if you guys notice, one thing I do a lot is the philosophy of the channel has always been, you know, you try it yourself, you learn the best way to, to work it. And that's why I always spend more time with a lot of the products. You know, I try to at least spend some time when a product gets here. And it's very, I, I've learned over the years, it's not normal. That's why I say that. I know it's not normal because I'm constantly, uh, not say constantly, I don't want to exaggerate. I have issues, or sometimes companies have issues with me with they're like, hey, it's been a month or it's been weeks or it's been two months and you still haven't done the video. And they're like, what's going on here? And I'm like, well, I'm spending some time with it. And I usually give companies updates too. And it seems to me that the norm for reviews is the product shows up, the video goes out, and then that's just it. And I, I tell them all the time, I'm, going, I'm trying to figure out how to use it, not just, you know, kind of like, hey, check this out. It's a guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, that being said, I've been spending more time over the last couple of years with high-end amplifiers than I've ever done before, although I've had a few in the past. I've really been – and my overall – I guess consensus with myself on the expensive high-end amplifiers is there's not they're not that magical. I mean, there's cer- certain things that I love that certain ones do, but I mean, realistically, a DSL40 is just a fantastic amp that I think I could take anywhere and use anywhere. And uh, there you go. I mean, that's really the the you know is it is if you side by side it to some exotic you know Marshall hand wired something is it is it is good? I don't know. I don't know if it's as like, you know, I don't know if the tones sparkle or do whatever the the thing is that people love about them. Um, I noticed with me, uh, the it, the amps that are affordable and the more expensive amps, a lot of it comes down to, my, in my opinion, sustain. You know what I mean? Everybody's trying to get, I like to say, uh, you know, true sustain instead of this artificial sustain. I know how to get sustain. I can put a pedal in front of something like a compressor or a sustainer pedal, which is basically the same thing put it in front of there and hold a note and keep it for a long time. I do a lot of videos. I've done a lot of videos about sustain and I love it because it's always half and half. Half the viewers are like, who cares about sustain? The other ones are like, thank you for the information. And it, here's the easy part of that about that. If you don't care about sustain, then that's fine. <laughs> Good for you. That You don't need it. You know? um, however, if it is something you're chasing, then you probably understand like what I'm talking about. It becomes very difficult if you want notes or chords to hang around for as long as you want them to before you transition to the next note or chord. So uh, so to answer your question, I like the amp. A lot of people say it's good because it is good. It's a good amp. Um, he had a follow-up question. I'm going to give it to him. Fred also asked, uh, he says, if he's shielding a Gibson Les Paul with shielding paint, do you think in the future the guitar will uh, have lost some value because of this? By the way, uh, love the show. Thanks. Uh, thank you for, for the compliments. Um, you know, technically, you know, when you're talking about the biggies, the Gibsons and the Fenders and made in the USA guitars and things that we're hoping to one day have some kind of value, whether they become vintage or just, you know, as they go uh, long in the tooth, to so sort of speak, their lifespan, the prices on the new ones keep going up. So that brings up the value of when you bought yours, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. If you bought it new for 1200 bucks and 10 years later, now it's selling for $1,900. Obviously, you're going to get about 12 to 15 used for years. Then you've got your money back or then some. And of course, you don't want to devalue it. I don't know if I would overly worry about that. But I also would also tell you that I don't overly uh, 
I don't worry about shielding the Gibson cavities on guitars, on, on Gibsons, uh, Les Pauls. The main reason is, is uh, I've done videos and I, and again, sometimes you do a video and then there's questions after the video. And sadly, I can't go back and redo parts of the video and go, oh, I didn't anticipate that. That's why so many times I do the videos, send them to the patrons and hope that they catch a couple things or make a comment like, you know, something like, you know, what I'm about to tell you. And then I go, great. And I add it in. In fact, uh, a lot of times, uh, I'd say 78% of my videos have a little cuts-ins, cuts, cuts-ins, cut-ins of me. And that's what I'm doing. I'm answering a question, hopefully, that a lot of people are going to have, but the patron caught it first. So that's why I just want to thank the patrons for always being my kind of quality assurance team on that. But um, in the, uh, I did a Firefly video, and it was a, a Les Paul style guitar. And in there, I talked about, you know, it didn't have uh, shielding in it. And you could add that. And the main thing I was doing was in the video, the cavity was painted black. That was what was interesting to me. The cavity was painted black. What I did is I put the, uh, the multimeter on it to test it, to see if it was, uh, metallic shell shielding, if it was shielding, cause it would, it would obviously have connect conductivity to it through it. And it didn't. And a lot of people put, well, why would you need to shield it? It has humbuckers. Well, I, I agree, but sometimes they use cheap wires <laughs> and there's no uh, shielding on them. And if the pickups aren't wax potted, I mean, when you're talking about cheap stuff, you definitely, when it comes to humbuckers, if when it comes to cheaper guitars, cheaper humbuckers, I like to shield it or have it shielded or do shielding to those guitars. Um, more expensive guitars, I find that's rarely the problem. You know what I mean with those guitars? So my answer to you is I wouldn't overly worry about it unless it's a very expensive uh, custom shop Les Paul or something extra special about that Les Paul. I wouldn't worry about just taking shielding paint to it. If you're that worried, you could always use shielding tape and that way you can remove it. No problem. And uh, and uh, also on that note, I don't know if I'd overly worry about it. The thing about shielding is another thing that comes up is, and I've said this before in videos, I only shield things, well, besides when a customer just asked me to to do it, I only shield things when there's a problem. I never shield things, you know, in, in anticipation of the problem. So, because uh, that's just the, the way I like to do it. Like I said, I like the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> so that that's just my opinion. But again, if you want to shield it out of caution, I understand that. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being uh, preemptive. Um. Uh, this one I want to answer because it's real fast. Luke says, hey, Phil, I have a Gibson Les Paul Studio, but the nut slot on the low E is, is cut too low. Great. I have a video on that. Just cut, uh, type uh, type in McKnight and uh, uh, nut slots are nut. That'll come up just enough right there. Phil McKnight. Well, let's test it. You know, sometimes they say stuff like that. It's one thing about having like 100 million views <laughs> collectively. You get your – the Google sometimes – Man, the, the algorithms don't like you as much, but man, the Google searching and the YouTube searching find you. Let's try McKnight and Nut. Hey, that's – and it says – ah, there it is. Okay, look. I, I mean, here it is. It's it literally coming up first. How to fix a nut with baking soda. There you go. Uh, I'm not the first, I'm sure, or the last to do a video on this. This is just my take on how to do it. This is how I've been doing it for many, many years. So obviously – uh, if you do that, one thing I will tell you that uh, I do do, if you see these tech tips, a little fun, fun fact for you over here, if you see tech tips on the videos, uh, what it means is it's uh, rather to the point. <laughs> 
that's what tech tips meant. I mean, it's not like I'm a tech and I'm giving tips. I mean, that makes sense too. When I did tech tips, it was kind of like my way of marking the videos as resource material. Instead of hearing me talk for five minutes about like sharpen my axe, here's my theory. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Those videos don't have any of that stuff. It's just, here's how you do it. Bam, 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 bam. And some of them are like two minutes long and some of them are seven. I think that's one of the longest ones at seven minutes. I mean, I, I don't want you, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't go into a spiel about how like, you know, sometimes you have a nut and the slut's not cut right. And what you want to think about, do, I just go right to how do you fix it. So to answer your question, Luke, that's how you fix it. Super easy, man. Just do that. <laughs> and then other than that, you can replace the nut, but that's a fast, easy fix and it's good. It'll last a long time. Um, this one comes from Vimps69. He says, or they say, uh, hey, Phil, I remember you were excited about your yellow BC Rich Gunslinger. Do you still have it? I don't. I ended up selling that to my buddy Brian, who who owns Paint Huffer. Uh, and I talked about this briefly on a show, I don't know, a few episodes ago, maybe a dozen episodes ago. Could have been a while ago. About I, I went down the rabbit hole of everybody about of, I try to buy all the guitars that, you know, I wanted when I was younger. You know, like, oh, the Gunslinger, the, you know the, you know, Warlock, <laughs> I don't know, Kramers. And, uh, you know, it never, it never worked out. Like with that guitar, it was really good. But think about that guitar. And I, and I bought that guitar at the right price. You know, like I said, I got it at a great price. So I got pretty much all my money back. I might've broke even. I think I probably went in the whole 50 bucks. Um, cause one of the things that's afforded to me to having a YouTube channel, I did a video of it. So I think I made, I think that video probably made a 60 bucks or a hundred bucks. And then if I sold it for 50, 60, you know, dollars less than what I paid for it, you see how it works out. I flattened out. And, uh, uh, but I mean, I did a setup on it. I polished the frets, you know what I mean? So I don't get that time back, but I got it out of my system. And to be honest with you, even if I lost a hundred bucks, uh, I'd have been happy because it's out of my system. What happened with that video, uh, that guitar, why I got rid of it is why I got rid of all of those guitars I've ever done uh, that I bought, which is you buy those guitars because really what it is, I just want that 80s metal look. And what I've realized is I'm not that person anymore, uh, nor that I think I ever was uh, like a shredder. I'm not a shredder. And so I want a guitar that looks like I'm a shredder, but I don't want it to feel like that. So I've, I've told you guys this already. That's why I gave up and I just had Kiesel. I had that Kiesel made, that single cut bevel with the uh, purple pink crackle and then green pickups that guitar though nothing else about it is metal i mean it's 10 inch radius fretboard the neck is not thin but definitely not thick it's in the middle of the sweet spot uh actually probably a little thicker than my gibson sg so again the sgs are kind of thin uh the 60s uh carve uh, it, it doesn't have high output pickups. It's more tamed down. Everything about it is more tamed down. A hardtail bridge, no waka waka job. And um, so, I mean, just it just does what I want it to do. I pick it up. I play some 80s riffs. I get, you know, I have some fun, but the guitar sounds the way I want it to, and it feels the way I want it to. Um, and what I found is, like I said, I have this Nuno in four right here that I had swirl dipped. Of course, I think it looks great. And I think if I turn the camera this way, yeah, I have a... here. Sorry, guys. I didn't know I was going to have to turn camera. There's a gem right there. So, I mean, again, I kind of think like at this point, really, to be honest, between the Nuno and the gem, I'm, I'm there. I got the I got the uh, the 80s guitars out of my system. And uh, that so that's what happened with that. And that's why I haven't really done it since, you know, anything like that. I've just done because, uh, to be honest with you, that was pre-COVID. 
and uh, or maybe the beginning of COVID, whatever it was, it was when you could do that. Now the you know the prices we know all jumped, and although they're coming back down now, part of that is I'm going to sidestep here so you know to talk about this. Um, if you notice the prices on used gear is coming down, I've noticed massively. Uh, if you haven't noticed, and I think that's not so much a, it could be a sign of the end of this guitar boom and we're seeing it, you know, kind of mellow out. Um, even with the inflation as the new prices rise, I mean, it's just massive. And, and like I said, I said this before, uh, last year, no, this year, this year, earlier this year, I bought a, uh, BE, uh, small box, Freeman small box 50 and Robert, one of the owners of uh, Freeman, uh, was visiting his mom in Tucson, Arizona, met me. We had lunch, and he sold it to me. I, I paid basically dealer cost. And at the time I bought it, that was, I mean, that was a great – that was very nice of him to do that for me. Um, at the time I bought it, you couldn't even find one uh, used and if they and if, and maybe not even new. And if they were used, they were asking $100 less than new. Now I found – I think there's like 10 of them right now because I had it in my, my watch list. There's like 10 of them. But I will tell you guys, if you're looking for deals, one of the things to think about is besides what's going on with, you know, maybe people are selling stuff and there's all kinds of, there's going to be people who are going to drive right to the people. It's inflation and they're broke and they're going to sell stuff. You could be right. But unfortunately, in my experience in the, in the music industry is we need to wait till January to find out for sure, because people generally just start ditching product right in the tail end of November and December to buy Christmas gifts, but also to buy new guitars, new, new gear. Um, you know, people, the thing about the holidays is what people don't understand is a lot of times people say, okay, people are strapped and they can't, you know, cause they're buying gifts. That's true. However, what's also true is people either have money or run in higher amounts of debt because once you start spending, it's kind of like the old, I'm in for a penny. So I'm in for a pound kind of deal. <laughs> somebody's like, uh, well, you know, you're, you're buying somebody a scarf and you're like, I need a scarf too. You know what I mean? So a lot of people, if you notice, start spending for themselves more during the holidays and others. And so, uh, sometimes to justify that you get rid of gear. So we see every year around this time, a purge of gear. And I want to share this with you because I've said this before. This is what I do. Let me go to my share screen. What I'm sharing with you is the front page of, of, um, Reverb. Let me, let me see. Sorry. So I jump around. I'm trying to make it to where you can see more. Okay. Um, what I want to see, uh, what you want to see is on the front page of Reverb, you all should have something like this. You should have a thing that says recently viewed listings and uh, from your watch list and recommended for you, the latest from your feed, uh, stuff like that. Reverb uh, staff picks. What I look for is new listings. I tell you guys this all the time. Go to where it says new listings and then you go right over here. And it says see more. I'm sorry you can't see where I clicked it, but it just said see more. This is all the listings almost in real time. There's 355,534 results for new for listings, right? Okay. And uh, this is stuff coming in as we see it listed. And what I've learned uh, over the years with Reverb specifically is you want to kind of hit while the iron's hot. You want to look at stuff. As soon as someone lists it, because what I found is, yeah, you can wait till there's somebody who's had it, they're listed and they start bringing the price down. You can watch it and see if they send you an offer. And of course you can send them an offer. But what I found is sometimes you'll be shocked how many times somebody is selling something dirt cheap um, because, you know, they put a guest price out there. And and what happens is uh, on Reverb, some of you guys have experienced this, somebody will may put us something for 
let's say it's worth 700 bucks. They put it for 400 bucks. And then what happens is instead of somebody buying it right away, somebody lowballs them and says, well, you take three. They knew four was a good deal. So you piss them off and then they raise it up to seven and then they just wait for offers. So a lot of times if you see them when they first list stuff, you can, hey, look, there's an analog sun face for 800 bucks. <laughs> just laughing about that. Thousand dollar pedals, um, but uh, you know, again, this is a thing I like to do. It you can do it on your phone, on your app, um, and sometimes I'm not looking for a good deal. I'm just looking to see if there's anything, you know, like oh, that's cool. I didn't, you know, I always wanted one of those, and that's a great price. Um, I just had a. Um, let me go back. Hold on. I just had an experience uh, where um, I told you guys. Uh, this wasn't a bad experience. What happened was uh, there was a guitar I've been wanting for many years. Uh, somebody just listed it. The price was way good. I think they wanted 13 and they normally go for 19 used. I was like, wow, it's a really good deal. You know, it was like perfect condition. Everything was perfect. And uh, and uh, I sent them a quick message saying, hey, I love the guitar. Uh, can you tell them how much it weighs? And they said seven and a half pounds. And I'm like, oh, the the guitar gear gods have spoken. They want Phil McKnight to have this guitar. Let me go back to my screen. I'm sorry. And um, <laughs> and uh, got the guitar. And I got to tell you, perfect condition. In fact, beautiful, exactly like the described. Uh, perfect. Like it was came out of the, you know, brand new out of the case. Uh, fantastic deal. No complaints. It was eight and a half pounds. So obviously they probably used their home scale, held the guitar, tried to do the math, something, whatever. They just didn't, you know, didn't weigh up. Uh, it's a great guitar. I'm not going to keep it. Um, not that I'm that picky, but I, I, you know, I, I got a good enough get deal. That's why I wanted to try it. Uh, it's not even the weight. It's just overall, I was like, eh, I don't know. Is this something I want? Um, but what's great is at that price, I'll be able to sell it for what I paid for it. Move along. You know what I mean? And I got to try it. And it's something I haven't been able to put my hands on in at least 10 years. So, um, uh, so there you go. So some thoughts on that and use gear right now. But like I said, right now, use gear. I mean, the price has been great. Uh, like I said, much better than I've seen them in the last year or two. So, yeah, uh, Jeff says, seen a couple of deals on Gibson's on GC lately. Yeah, I'm, I mean, look, if you go to Sweetwater, this is the most in stock I've seen Sweetwater too. So, I mean, there is definitely... Um, you know, <laughs> a slowdown of some sort, which is, which is, and I want to kind of go to, to this, uh, cause again, I'm not ready to decide, you know, me personally, where we're at with, you know, what I see, um, what I will tell you is this, look for the last couple of years, this has definitely been a guitar boom. And, you know, in using that analogy of guitar boom or using an analogy I like is we've been going about 125 miles an hour on a 75 mile an hour road. And now I'm seeing it slow down a little bit. I've been seeing it slow down on all fronts. But you got to understand, we're still speeding. <laughs> so uh, it's, you know, some people are like right to the doom and gloom. And it, again, I'm not saying that's not happening either. But there's a big difference between stuck in traffic and we're still speeding. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, uh, Masha T, this is going to be the worst answer ever. Masha T22 says, Phil, how do you figure out the shipping charge on reverb if you want to sell a guitar? Um, you know, <laughs> this is why I say it's the worst a answer. Uh, you know, I have a FedEx business account and I'll use that sometimes, you know, it's sometimes cheaper than what reverb is quoting me, but a lot of times I'll use what reverb quotes me, uh, cause it works too. Um, 
I mean, usually I know the rates, you know, like across the country, it's going to cost it depending on the weight and the size. I mean, there's some things you kind of get in tune with real fast shipping guitars, like, hey, 52 inch box versus 54 inch, 54 inch box. You know, if especially if it's on the heavier side, it's going to jump up like 10 or 10, 20 bucks. Um, I just kind of ballpark it. There's probably something that calculates it for you, but I've been able to ballpark it. But I will tell you this, what I've learned about for me personally with shipping, personal, not business. Now, I don't want to talk about that because that's not going to pertain to you. With me personally, what I focus on is never the shipping, okay? I don't focus on, I focus on what I want to get. That's usually what I've learned to find this to be a pleasant experience selling a product for me personally. Like I said, my personal guitar, my personal thing. I go, okay, what price do I want for it? And then how do I figure out how to get as much of that in my pocket as possible. So a lot of times when I sell stuff, like I have a very realistic expectation of like, okay, after the fees, after the shipping, after this, this is what I'm going to take home. And as long as that's the number I want to take home, then I don't really worry. So what I mean by that is um, a lot of times, almost 90% of the time, whatever the price I'm trying to get, that's like the shipping is just going to help. That's extra money on the pile to help ensure that that number is cinched up. So like, for instance, if I want $900 for something, and that's really what I want, and I list it for, you know, $975 and then $25 shipping, the shipping might seem cheap, but really all I'm trying to do is after shipping, after fees, even though I know I'm going to pay $75 for shipping and I'm charging $25, you know, um, there there you go. Uh, The only caveat to that is every once in a while, you sell a product and you know, you just, you know, because as you guys know, as your product is less perfect, in other words, you know, to me, I like to definitely play it down. That's just my strategy. I don't recommend it to everybody. I'm not telling you what to do. So for instance, if you, especially if you look at my listings, what I sell my stuff personal, if it says, you know, it's ex, it, trust me, if it says good, it's excellent. If it says excellent, it's perfect in the box, right? Like I always downplay. I never kind of, I'm always looking for the one down. So, you know, if I know it's good, it's it's fair, right? Because, again, I really want the expectation of the person to get it, open up the box and go, yeah, that, thanks, man. Yeah, that guy that guy nailed it. And the reason is I don't want to see it back. That's, for me, again, not a business. It's a personal person shipping. I don't want to see anything back ever. That's the biggest headache ever. And so sometimes what I will do as a strategy that's worked for me in the past and currently is if there's a product that I'm like, okay, even this, it's got a couple marks and I'm kind of detailing the, 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 you know, I'm being detailed in the description, but there's some issues and I've detailed as much as I can, but I know that it's really hard to explain what I'm talking about. You know, you see it all the time. You're like, there's a Nick, but it won't come out in the picture. A lot of that stuff is true. Sometimes people are full of crap, but a lot of times you just can't get stuff to picture right, especially a color. Sometimes you're like, trust me, this is blue. It's not green. As much as it looks green in the pictures, it's blue. If I know I have stuff like that, what I will do is I will inflate the shipping costs, okay? Uh, Not crazy, but I will make sure that whatever real shipping costs were is shipping, uh, is what I'm charging. And the reason I do that is because if that guitar goes out or that product comes out and that person goes, Hey man, I got it. And it's just not what I thought it was. I want to send it back. Um, I, I want to be able to go, okay, I'll refund you minus the shipping. You know what I mean? Unless it's a defective product. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not talking about like, if there's something wrong, I'm talking about literally like, okay, now that I see the color. I don't want it. I go, okay, fine, send it back. I'll refund your money minus the shipping. And that way I'm not out anything. I don't want to be, I hate it when I'm kind of negative. I, I think you guys all know that, uh, you know, with the, you guys all can feel that. No one likes to be like, well, after that went out and came back, I'm down $87. <laughs> 
<laughs> trying to sell a guitar that I was, you know what I mean? That wasn't even necessarily a sell. So that's just how I do things uh, again. Um, and then a little bit, it's a little shaded differently. Cause again, my YouTube profile, in other words, because of my profile on YouTube, I tend to, uh, cause sometimes my son and my wife handle a lot of that stuff. And especially my wife, I tend to kind of like lean into the, Hey, let's let, make it, you know, make it better than it is. Make sure it's, you know, described, you know, perfectly, but also make sure they're getting better. Cause again, I don't want to uh, deal with it. Cause I'm, uh, not like I'm a public figure figure, but you can understand, right? It's kind of like, I don't need, I don't need them to be like, aren't you the YouTube guy? And I'm like, I, I, cause I, again, when I sell stuff, I try to be, I use my actual KYG shop so they know it's me, uh, for that reason. So again, uh, again, I'm just trying to minimize the headaches of selling stuff online. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Landon says dealing with shipping is no fun. It, it's, it's, uh, it's, it sucks <laughs> and it's, uh, it gets worse as the volume goes up. Um, yeah, Beast Rich 581 says, I sold a small amp once. See, per, this is why I want to read this. He says, uh, sold a small combo once and the buyer sent me an email that complimented me on my packaging skills. Um, I will tell you this, and I, and I kind of hate saying this, but again, I always tell you guys I'll talk about whatever on the podcast. I call it, um, I'm not kidding, I call it packaging theater. Um, I remind my wife all the time, she'll say, you know, I inspect a lot of the packages that go out. And she'll go, oh, she packed it. And I know she packed it well. And I go, but hey, can you shove something here and do this? And she's like, oh, it's, it's fine. It's not moving. You know, my wife sold, you know, shipped, you know, thousands of guitars over the years. And I go, no, no. And I go, and I call it packaging theater. I go, look, when people open the package, it has to feel like, man, they went crazy. They like, that's what you want. Because that is a feeling of like, okay, um, not everybody, but some people are like this. I mean, it's just, it's just, everybody's different. Some people will open something up and if something isn't right on the instrument, they'll be like, did it move in there? Did it get damaged? Right. You're trying to conclude like what, what, what is wrong? Or this guitar is rattling. Does it, was it rattle? Cause it rattles or it rattled cause it got damaged. And knowing that it was shipped really, really well, I think puts a buyer at ease. And so, yeah, I go, I do the same thing. I, I like, in fact, on my feedbacks, if you look, uh, I just got a bunch of them recently. I love it when they say that, like, wow, this is how you pack or pack really well. That's what I'm looking for every time. That's the win. Because <laughs> then I know, I'm like, okay, because I know, again, I know we're all kind of the same, a little different, but kind of same. Everybody wants to feel like uh, the money they spent, uh, they're getting a good return on that. And so I try to kind of kind of lean into that. That's just what I've learned over the years. Um, mute the bozo said I did uh, shipping and receiving and packing for years. Don't miss it. I absolutely hate it. I told you guys very upfront, uh, when, when, uh, I decided when I told Ralph and Shauna that I go, Hey, I'm not coming to the shop anymore. I'm going to lean into the YouTube side of this. Cause I'm going to do all the other stuff I did. Cause I have other businesses. I go, I'm going to do that and the YouTube and I'm not going to come in the shop. And, uh, and the discussion was exactly what you guys can imagine. The discussion was like, well, why don't you do YouTube? And then like, you know, we'll, you know, and then people will buy online from our online website. And, and, and the reality was, like I said, none of us wanted to do it. None of us wanted to be a shipping receiving company. That's what you pretty much turn into an online business is a shipping receiving company, uh, just constantly shipping stuff out. And I didn't want to pitch, uh, I didn't want to do videos where I'm just constantly pitching a product, uh, that I didn't have control of. Cause I was like, I can just stay in the store. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I can just talk about guitars that I have to sell all day in the store. I don't need to make videos about that. So I understand that it's, uh, it's, it's, 
it's not as fun as uh, as a lot of people think it is. I think a lot of people really. I think guitar players. It's the weird. We're probably guitar players, and I can't. I can't imagine because again, I don't do other hobbies. Guitar players are one of the few people I've I've seen that can romanticize a job like retail, <laughs> and 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 it's true. A lot of people are like, man, it must be great just to hang out in a guitar store all day, and you're like. We understand it's just a retail business like any other retail business. I mean, I understand you love the things that's on the wall, but essentially at the end of the day, it's no different than doing any other retail business. You're you're essentially helping customers. That's your skill set. Your skill set should skill set. Wow, skill set shouldn't be. I really like guitars, um, uh, <laughs> which is a funny thing because I should probably one day we could talk about that when hiring people. I remember how many people would like to tell me how much they liked guitars, and I'm like, well, that doesn't. That's great. But what I'm really liking to hear is I like helping people solve problems. I like, sol- you know, I, I like sales. I like, uh, you know, customer service. I mean, that's essentially it's a it's the same job. So there you go. Um, OK, uh, it says Mike says I wanted a Friedman amp, but I had new room and like what I. And I like what I have, so making space was not an option. So I bought a Durley Shirley pedal. Uh, great sound, though, uh, through my AC-15. Of course. Look, that's I think that's the perfect way to do things, man. You got to – to me, to me, um, something has to go for something to come. It's just how it works. I can't – I don't have infinite space. I'm – because of the YouTube channel, I'm always filled to the rafters with stuff in the house. It's uh, – my, my house mostly looks like – a shipping receiving shop. I mean, there's boxes like in my right front room right now, there's probably 16 gig bags, empty ones just laying on the, I'm just trying to think what I saw in my front room when I just came upstairs, uh, 16 gig bags, probably about a half a dozen boxes full of packing materials and some boxes full of stuff. Um, there was uh, at the front door, there's a half stack sitting at the front door with, uh, a couple guitar cases. And I mean, it's just all this stuff that I have, you know, it's just everywhere. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> you got to do it. And I, I love that idea, by the way. Yeah. If you want the Freeman dirty Shirley, get the pedal. Um, they're really close. I mean, that's the, that's the cool part about it. So, and then, uh, we'll go to the next one, but I want to do, uh, Ian, Ian says, oh, and it jumped Ian. Hold on. Let me see if I can find you. That's what I love about sometimes the, the screens jump. I don't know, Ian. <laughs> he was basically saying, I apologize. Oh, here, I found it. Unpacking is a hugely emotional experience. Totally agree with you over the top packaging. I, yes, I think, I think that's where, hey, look, we've talked about this many times on the show where Sweetwater, one of the things that helped them kill. Look, I'm sure I was, I'm, I don't know if you were all like me, but I'll tell you, when I saw Sweetwater was sending out candy with their stuff, I thought it was the dumbest thing I ever seen. I was like, why? What is it? I get, I get it. Sweet water, sweet candy. This so I get used Halloween candy from last year. This is the dumbest thing ever. What I didn't know then, back then, because I didn't deal in that environment. You know, I had a store that was face to face. So to me, selling was a experience of a one-on-one experience, right? In other words, people buy from you. They don't buy just your product. So you have to put, you know, your face on. You have to be this person that they can relate to and understand and, and like. And you it's it's important that you, you know, take interest in what they're saying and doing. And that's a different thing. And to me, like I, if I somebody came in my store, I remember, I don't think I ever made the joke, but it would be like if somebody came in my Joe and I'm like, want a lollipop? <laughs> They'd be like, what the hell? Um 
But what I didn't see then was exactly what Sweetwater had captured, which is exactly what you're saying. They captured an ex- it added to the experience, right? It added to this ultimate like I'm going to unpackage this thing, and now I got some candy. And there's this again. It's about steps and steps. It's one of my complaints, and I've said it many times about Kiesel guitars. I think one of the things they're missing is when you get their guitars because I've uh, you know I've ordered a few now and I love them. But man, when you get them, you open them up. There's the gig bag. They're packed well, but then there's nothing. There's no like welcome to the Kiesel family and a Kiesel card. And and I think deep down, and th- I'm just guessing because I don't really you know talk to those guys. Um, Maybe they think that's cheesy. I mean, that happens, right? Some people that own businesses think things are, you know, like, I'm not into that. I'm not doing it. But deep down, I think they're missing how much that matters. I don't know why it matters. It just does. You get a pedal and you get an inspection card and a certificate. Like, certificate of authenticity is about the craziest, dumbest thing ever. But I fall for it every time. Right? I just literally, um, I just literally, what do you call it? I, uh. I fall for it. I <laughs> just said that, but I'll say it again. So there you go. All right. Uh, Matt Harrison says, bit of honey. I don't know. Some of you guys can con- confirm this. I like creating small problems from the Sweetwater guys. They are, they've been, they've been really nice to the channel given that I've been pretty, you know, I started my relationship out there publicly with them being kind of, you know, not strict, but, you know, kind of hammering them a little bit. And then, you know, they've been very kind. I heard that well, I can tell you. Let me tell you what I do know. I know if you don't want the candy, I don't get the candy. So uh, if you guys want to laugh, here's a good laugh for you guys, the diehards that pay attention. If you see a Sweetwater box at my house or in a video like that PA system, and there's candy, that means it was sent to me as a promotional by Sweetwater. In other words, they want to review it or something because it's not on my personal account the same way. And there's there's candy. My personal account has a notation. I don't want the candy. <laughs> The reason is, is my kids don't eat candy and uh, I don't need candy. So <laughs> I don't need, I, I don't even, I'm, I'm, I don't even like candy that much. And I would probably eat it because, you know, it's there. And my mentality is like, I was raised like, you know, it's free candy. You can't throw that away. So I try, I just don't want it around. But what's funny is not only can you tell them that you don't want candy, but I was told that you can specifically ask for certain kinds of candy. Uh, like not different what they have, but like, you know, like Matt says, bit of honeys. I think if you tell your sales uh, engineer rep person that you just want a bit of honeys, I heard that you can do that. I don't know. Uh, maybe just for special people. I don't know. So. Find out for somebody, somebody ask me or not ask me, ask them, somebody ask somebody to do it and then give me feedback on how it went. Cause I can't do it. Cause then they'd start sending me candy again. <laughs> So, okay. Um, yeah, Matthew says he's diabetic and he they can keep the candy. You know what I wish? I wish there was something else besides candy. That would be a nice thing. I don't know what. A bag of picks. I, uh, I don't need picks either, but you know what I mean. Be just, just so you still have the experience. Okay. We talk too much on the, uh, too much candy talk now. <laughs> okay. Um uh okay let's get to some other questions um i do oh we're we're doing okay um uh this one's from derek derek uh asked a great question for me it's not it's more of a personal question he says hey i love the show uh what piece of gear made you the most happy or gave you the most joy for 2021 um as you guys know i do a year in review video every year 
And this year, since I knew I was going to do it again, I uh, actually took the time to put it in like a spreadsheet all year. Uh, so I, so it's great because it's one of those videos. I don't think again you can see the amount of workload that goes into writing. I have to go through each video, write everything down, kind of go through those stuff. Now I just sort it and do all this stuff. Um, and so I actually have the answer. Uh, and let me go to it. Hold on, I'm actually pulling up a, an Excel spreadsheet. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I charted my feelings. No, um, seriously, I already know the answer, but I wanted to see. Um, uh, so this year, because I did do a chart, uh, when I talk about my gear in review uh, video, I'll actually have awards. I did it my first year, and I kind of backed away from it then because, uh, you know, when you're shooting from the hip on your feelings, a lot of people are like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, why do you say that's your, you know, this has got more quantifiable because I actually took the time to like score everything and figure out what my favorite gear was for the year. So best amp, best guitar, best pedal, best accessory. Uh, so I'll be giving awards and runner ups and stuff, you know, for all the gear I reviewed this year, plus a rundown of gear. And I like doing that, uh, video because, um, I think it answers all the questions I hopefully that matter, which is, you know, did I really like it still? Cause that's a lot of times like, it was in the moment or was it really like, you know, um, you know, what do you call it? Like, did a company send it to you and they want it back? And did I end up buying it? Because sometimes that happens. And then sometimes, you know, uh, the company left it with me. Did I sell it? So I go through all that stuff. But I will tell you the funny thing about this is the my favorite thing, the thing that I thought about. So when I saw that question earlier, I thought, what's my favorite thing? The first thing that came to my mind was the ox. And so I looked and I had rated the ox as a as, a, as basically is number one, but it was a kind of a tie between that and the Bad Cat 40. So this year, I would honestly say, uh, which is interesting, the Bad Cat 40, I don't think this is a hard thing to understand. I reviewed a lot of good amps this year, but as you guys know, I did the uh, the uh, uh, Ingle Fireball, no, Iron Ball 2, which was a fantastic amp, but as you guys know, I loved it, but not as much as my uh, Fireball. But the Bad Cat, just, I really love that amp, but man, the thing that really kind of, I liked and enjoyed the most was the ox. Uh, isn't that funny? And like I said, I just did a video, if you guys saw this week, where I compared the ox with the uh, Captor X and the Iron Man uh, from Tone King. And, you know, I talk about how basically Captor is kind of, in my opinion, slightly better in a lot of ways, right? I mean, there's different different products for different people. But I got to tell you, the ox, it's a product. And again, like I said, in hindsight of the video, you make the video, but... You know, then, like I said, we'll do the follow-up video when I do the, the year in review. Um, the Ox, the issue is, I can tell you right now, it's very expensive, and it has a couple shortcomings. And because of that, as a, I'm going to say, a reviewer, I, as, as as someone who's trying to give you information to help make a better educated purchase, I wanted to kind of highlight those issues. However, I still like it. It's I can't understand. I can't understand. I can't explain why. I just like it. Even though I really think the captor's better, I just like it. <laughs> I like not only how it works, I like I like everything about it. Uh, overall, besides you know a couple of issues, but I like how where I where I get. Does that make sense? Um, I like what it does, and um, and it also uh, opened me up to new ideas and new ways of doing things, and it was really fun. So that'd be my favorite. That thing that probably gave me the most joy playing with it. Uh, let's see. Okay, hold on a second. Okay, let me grab, let me go here. 
refresh this, take a sip of vodka. One of these shows, it will really be vodka. I tried doing it. Remember I drank a beer show? And I, I actually, if you guys didn't realize, I was getting hammered. And it was really weird. Usually I'm not a beer is not going to do it for me. But man, that show, for some reason, a beer in, I was having trouble focusing. Uh, Dale says, is the preamp, okay, uh, is there a preamp or something to put in a guitar cavity to make a passive pickup sound like an active pickup? Uh, thanks. Uh, love the show, Dale. Yes, uh, they're blackout. There's a black, you know, uh, Seymour Duggan makes a pickup called the blackout, which is kind of like their version of an EMG. And I actually think they sound like the older EMG 8185s that I kind of like better than the newer EMG 8185s version. And, um, they make a preamp called the blackout and it's all like super easy. Well, that's not super easy, but it doesn't require a lot of soldering. It all clips in and you can turn any passive pickups into, actives and it, it does uh, uh in my opinion uh, 75% of the way there you're going to get there you're going to get all the things you like about active pickups and um that's something i like i mean emg makes something called the afterburner and the, it's like a boost it's not the same thing in my opinion the the blackout uh preamp is exactly what you're looking for so this is that something you're looking for it's going to look for however what i want to tell you is there's a there's a good and a bad dave mustaine they make some dave mustaine pickups i think they still do uh which are active but are also kind of like traditional alnico uh pickups and um uh, and that's important because your blackout preamp that you add to your traditional pickups are going to sound more like the Dave Mustaine pickups, in my opinion, than they will just active pickups. Because part of the thing that makes active pickups do what they do isn't just that they have a battery-powered preamp. It's also they usually have uh, a very low... uh, uh, The pickups are very low in the magnetic field. In other words, there's not a strong magnetic field. And usually a lot less windings on those pickups. And that's usually you can't see that because if you're going to try to meter them, you're going to meter them with with power. Um, and so what happens is those, the magic of, of active pickups are that they have a, a, the smaller magnetic field or the lighter magnetic field, I should say the word is lighter would definitely be better. Um, causes less interference with a string and adds more sustain because that's what it does. And also allows the pickup to have a slightly different tone. And, but of course, cause it's so weak, they use the preamp to boost that signal up and send it out of the guitar. And so that's uh, what's great. The blackout preamp will do that, but of course, you know, with a little bit different kind of magic. So I'm just letting you know, it's going to do what you want. I would recommend it. However, it won't be, it'll be 75% there of an active pickup. And it might actually be better depending on how you look at it. Depends on what your needs are. Uh, Rusty Shackleford did a super chat. And I don't worry, Rusty, I got you covered, man. I saw that you posted. You're like, I didn't post my question. And then I grabbed it. So <laughs> let me grab your... Let me find it, Rusty. Let me find it. Rusty's question was, whoops, I forgot to type my question. Is that? No, I'm just kidding. He said, uh, Phil, what method do you recommend to roll fretboard edges on a maple neck with stainless steel frets? Um, There are a ton of methods you can use to roll fretboard edges. Um, I have no, unfortunately, no brush stroke that I can just say, do this. I'd need to know if there was finish on that maple fretboard. I need to know how hard the edge is and what we're doing to it. Um, and also how old the fretboard is. Here's why. There's, again, 
you know, what would I do in my shop with all the tools and, and, and everything at my disposal? Pretty much whatever I want. But what should you do? Part of the thing is if there's finish on it, you're, you're I wouldn't even recommend you try it without seriously watching some kind of content and trying to get an understanding of it. If there's no finish on it and the neck is not relatively old, in other words, it hasn't discolored a lot, uh, you can even sand it lightly. You can round the edges uh, that way. Um, you can use – There's uh, some people will tell you to use a stick. Uh, basically, you can use like a, a shaft of a screwdriver or a stick and kind of run it on the sides and, and, and kind of smush it and roll it over that way. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, how I usually do it is I use a sand, I use a sanding block and shave it over. And then, but again, it depends on what kind of finish I'm dealing with, what, what, what I'm dealing with. So, um, I will tell you this, if it's a guitar you like, and it's not relatively inexpensive, I would take it to somebody. Uh, otherwise in your case, if it's a, you know, something you think you can try, try, cause it's not a super expensive guitar and you don't really care. Or maybe you're into the Van Halen thing. You just, I would sand them. Just take a sanding block uh, and some kind of fine sandpaper. Anything I would do 400, right? Anything above that? Maybe 350 is the lowest I would go, and you can do that. And then you're going to have to pre-polish and do all your frets. And again, this is tough because it's a podcast, and I'm just saying things. And if I had stuff and I was showing you in a video, it would be a totally different, you know, kind of experience. So uh, I'm just brush stroking this, is in other words. So so be. I'm just giving the idea where to start to look, not to actually just say do that. Um, Antique Rocker says, I love the stocking stuffer video. Just bought two rechargeable snarks. What happened to it? <laughs> Did you recommend the capo? Um, so uh, thank you, Antique Rocker. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier in the show, when I do videos, the patrons get sometimes uh, when I can, they get the preview when I want uh, feedback. Uh, I gave them that video for, for a preview. Uh, it comes out like tomorrow, the next day. It's a stocking stuffer idea video uh, and something more fun. I, I just want to let you guys know it was, it was really just, uh, uh, just, I had a crap week, not nothing horrible. Okay. <laughs> nothing horrible. I don't, I don't want anybody to worry. Nothing, nothing serious happened. Um, uh, the only thing that happened this week that was negative was um <laughs> i basically uh every time i turn around something was costing me money <laughs> and that puts you in a mood over time right you know you're like you know you know how it works some of you guys uh some of you guys out there guys mean people out there will know what i'm talking about when you're like everybody's coming at you with like a, oh and i need this and this is going to cost that and this is going to this and now this happened and now this has to be fixed and now this is going to cost and you're you're okay with, i'm always okay with it but then after a while like man that was a lot so, um, so anyways, I decided, I'm like, okay, I want to kind of do a video a little funner. So this video is more fun. You'll see it's got a satire kind of vibe to it and going over some products. I'm glad you enjoyed it, but yeah, I took it down. Um, cause I have to re I finish editing it and doing stuff and then it'll go out, but yeah, you got a preview of it. Uh, and I'm glad you liked it. I had a ton of fun and that's tuner is freaking amazing. So Literally, the next question, Litface, did you, uh, did I see a gold telly in the stocking stuffer video? You did. It's actually in the background of this, uh, the live shows too, but different cameras, different lighting may look different. Somebody sent me a question today asking me if it was graffiti yellow and it's actually gold. It's a Shiji telly. I've had the Shiji telly for a little while now and I've put it through its paces. That, the, as you guys know, I had a Shiji guitar. I told you I got rid of that strat style Shiji to get the telly. 
I got the telly. I'm, I, I really like it. Obviously, the video is going to be – it's so – the question is not whether or not I like it. The question is they've gone up so much in price, and that really drives there's – a, there's a thing going on now. It's really crazy, okay? And I'm not – I don't even know how to explain this craziness. Um, it's like everything, everything guitar-related in – that has anything to do with China is going to extremes. And what I mean by that is every time I'm talking to any companies uh, that are guitars in China, everything is either dropping price again. Like in other words, like if you thought Donner and Glary were inexpensive, there's new companies and even they're more inexpensive. And you're like, this is crazy. And then on the other side of that, there's guitar companies. Now I have talked to Three companies now in the last 30 days that, you know, send they send you emails and, and I talk to them back and forth and they're made in China, essentially strats for $1,500 to almost $2,000. And um, this is something that, and there's a lot of explanation of why and the whole thing behind it. But man, I don't know. It seems really strange. I'm sure a lot of you guys, I, I try to, I start everything with curiosity. So I know a lot of you guys go right to the screw this and I wouldn't do that or no way. Why? But I like to know why, what, why, what's going on? You know what I mean? Um, and if I, again, kind of like when I said my week about people coming to me with money, you know, the money issues, uh, it's kind of like if I saw something once, I go, ah, it happens. But um, when you see multiple levels of it and you know what? And I, again, I try not to go down these two, these tears too much, but like Slade just said, China ain't getting any dime from me, but see, this is the important part of these conversations. I like to have a broader conversation. And, and again, I have, I have to just tell you again, I, I find politics very uninteresting. So it's not that I'm trying to be non-political. I just don't really give a crap. So that's not where I'm going with this. What I'm going with this is, is, um, in my experiences, traveling and going to factories there isn't there's almost like no factory not making something with china like i said uh i I love it when and again i just again i'm just presenting an idea somebody will say i won't buy a guitar made in china and they'll go yeah but your american guitar had paint that came from china and and to you i'm again i'm not arguing just explaining to you that guitar is not china then so again what percentage of the guitar has to be china I'm not saying you should buy guitars in China. What I'm saying is I love it when somebody goes, oh, this guitar came from Indonesia. And I'm like, well, I went to that factory. And guess what? They were buying all their parts from China. (laughs) They were assembling them in Indonesia. You know, assembled in America isn't the only place that happens. There is also assembled in Indonesia and assembled in Korea from mostly Chinese parts. So, again, it's not that I'm saying that justifies anything. I'm saying that what I've been experiencing, me personally, for the last five years, um, and even longer, but I just want to get to the five-year mark, is that this is happening in the weirdest way. There's people who are specifically focused on if it says in made in China, they don't want to deal with it, which is fine. But if it doesn't say it, and it has mostly Chinese stuff in it, then they're okay with it, because they seem to be, like, you seem to not be... So I'm more interested in why these things are happening because to me, if a Chinese, a main China guitar becomes $1,500, you understand that means that the other guitars that are going to be made with those Chinese parts and then other expenses added to them are going to become very much more expensive. So that's why I said, I kind of go at everything with curiosity. I'm curious why, why this, you know, just, are you just doing this to see if you can get away with it or is there a legitimate, uh, uh, circumstances to it? Um, 
again, uh, yeah, and again, this isn't to say pro or against doing anything. It's just more of a kind of understanding. I want to see. You know what I mean? Um, hold on a second. Yeah, and and I'm not going to read some comments, but a lot of your comments are conveying the same thing that a lot of, you know, it's again, I always, like I said, um, I've said this before, I'll keep saying it again, just so you know, uh, you understand, like, when you buy from Gibson, you buy from Fender, you buy from Paul Reed Smith, um, and I don't want to just pick on them, I mean, I named tons of <laughs> other companies, when you buy those made in the USA guitars, two things are happening, some of those guitars do have import made in China and other places, but I know that usually the focus is China, parts in them, or materials, because again, it's not just about that the pickups are made there. It could be literally the materials for the pickups are made there. See how funny this is? Like you guys, as you guys know, I make my own pickups, and like I said, I'll 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 chuckle when somebody goes, "This pickup's made in the USA," but it's literally made from all Chinese copper wire, Chinese bobbins, Chinese everything. It was just wound and sorted here, and they're okay with that. But then they're not okay with a, a made in China pickup that's a quarter of the price. And again, I'm not saying, you know, again, uh, I'm not saying anything. I'm just kind of giving you the information. But what's funny about all this is those companies, like I tell you guys all the time, um, I mean, if you look at uh, Fender as a perfect example, Fender sells more than just guitars and amps. They are huge accessory divisions, huge, massive. The, I mean, their accessory division is bigger than most companies. Uh, guitar stands, tuners, picks, uh, strings, uh, you know, right. Uh, cables and massive amounts of that stuff, uh, literally, uh, come from China. So when you buy a U.S. guitar, you could say, okay, I'm supporting that. But sometimes I always have to ask again, just ask, are you, because they took that money and they literally spent it on doubling down on the import stuff. So again, that's why I always, I kind of like said, I like to go with the mindset of curiosity, not just upsetness, (laughs) right? I want to know why, um, so there you go. I think curiosity uh, is is a good thing. So. We'll be right back. Ever wonder how your favorite entertainers and athletes made it from childhood to the spotlight? Join me, Nashville-based entertainment reporter Jennifer Vickery-Smith, as I chat with moms of entertainers and entertaining moms on my hit podcast, Got It From My Mama. You'll hear delightful conversations with moms of everyone from the Jonas Brothers, Luke Bryan, Kelsey Ballerini, Steph Curry, Travis Kelsey, and so many more, sharing the journey from a perspective only a mama can share. New episodes weekly as we share the best conversations of family, faith, and fame on the Got It From My Mama podcast. Um, yeah, I'll just go, since we're down this road, let's go with it. Yash says, uh, brands should label their products uh, made in China, assembled in the USA. I 100% agree. Um I mean, essentially, I mean, I know it's crazy. And again, it's more, more costs, more bureaucracy, more crap, more stuff to deal with. But man, sometimes I do kind of feel like, wouldn't it be nice if there was an ingredients list in a product? You know what I mean? Um, I I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to like add more, uh, 
you know, government inter, inter you know, interference and, and, and more costs into everything. But it's sometimes it's like, I don't even care where it's assembled or where it's made. Just tell me where all the components were, right? What, you know, um, if you, a lot of you, again, there's a lot of people around the world uh, watching the podcast in the U S uh, when you buy a car, it's very common when you buy the car. I don't care what it, if it's a Honda or it's a Chevy. It says like engine made in Mexico, transmission made in Japan, right? Like you buy a Honda, and again, I, I'm not saying this is the exact things because I can't remember what it was, what it, what they said when I bought the Honda uh, for my daughter. But I remember it was like uh, engine made in Japan, transmission made in Mexico body made in like Michigan. You know what I mean? Like it told you where everything was coming from. That's really what I want. I don't care. Don't tell me where it's made. Tell me what the ingredients are. And then I'll decide from there what it is the hell I'm buying. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so again, it's kind of funny. So I don't know, like I said, just a thought, but I, I don't know. So the sad thing is I could say something like that. And then next thing you know, it probably, you know, creates a nightmare of bureaucracy and, and red tape, but I think it'd be fun. I'm not fun. I think it would be more fair if I just, you know, if you could just look and see where that would tell you where your dollars are going for the most part. So on that note, let's jump off that subject. Cause that's not all about guitar. Okay. But so, you know, a lot of $1,500 main China guitars out there now. So if you haven't seen them, they're coming because it seems like they're seemed really interested and getting those guitars out in front of people. I didn't take any of those deals, uh, but uh, at least I, I I interact with them to find out what was going on. Uh, Thomas says, hey, have you tried the Tejima 500? Uh, I have. I did a video with Marty Schwartz. It's on his channel. Uh, basically, that's the same model or model like that. The Tejima deal was really interesting. As you guys know, um, uh, I, I found Tejimas uh, with Marty Schwartz in a music small music store in San Diego, we bought the guitar. Marty bought it physically. And then he sent the guitar to me. I, sh I did a sharp my axe with it, sent it back to him. I think he still owns and plays it. I don't know. I'm pretty sure he does, but I don't know. Uh, I haven't talked to him about it in recent, so I don't know. Um, and then I liked it so much. I bought a Tajima, but I bought a Brazilian one. And then, uh, and then from then Tajima, uh, stopped me at the NAMM show and said, Hey man, we really like your videos. And, uh, this is where it goes sideways. So, you know, and again, I just up front with everybody about all the stuff that goes down. They were very nice. They said, Hey, we liked your videos. Thank you for all that, you know, uh, support. Uh, we would like to, uh, help your channel, sponsor your channel. And I said, great. I said, how you can help me is, uh, I like the guitars. The audience seems to like the guitars. And so if we could get more of the guitars on the channel, that'd be great. And then I let them know what guitars I was interested in. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. They, like a lot of companies, they don't care what I want or what you want. They just want to focus. They just want to send me certain products. And what ended up happening over time, and just so you guys know what happens, over time, that um, uh, that always puts me off. So, you know, it always puts me off when I'm, uh, again, I, I'm a nobody, right? I just on, I got this YouTube thing. Um, I'm not trying to come across as anything other than that. Uh, however, it's my time as well. You know what I mean? I understand it's like my time. I got to invest in this. And, and I also know you guys, as we know, we, a lot of us hang out and you guys are a microcosm of the bigger views of the channel, but still you're the, the microcosm. I can, t I know what the, I know what the channel generally wants. Cause you guys are essentially the channel. And, 
uh, I know what you're interested in, not interested in. And so it's, it's always a tough thing when a company is just like, yeah, why don't you just talk about these? And I'm like, well, those aren't the ones I'm interested in. I'm actually interested in these. And I think the audience would really be interested in those Tajimas. And because um, I think deep down, what I think everybody's looking for with that kind of brand is one of two things. You're either looking for how good is their inexpensive Squire type instruments? You know, is there a better value there than maybe Squire's giving you or some other name brand? And so that's a great product to, product to talk about. Or their mid-price stuff where it's like, are you getting a lot for this price? In other words, are they putting out a $600 guitar that rivals $1,200, $1,500 guitars? And I think those are interesting guitars to talk about. That's not what they were interested in sending me. So, you know, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there's your answer. I like Tajima. I still like Tajima, but that's why you haven't seen it anymore on the channel. That kind of just like, I'm just, you know, and, um, you know, uh, and I, I do my best and I try to convey that to the companies when I'm like, hey, look, you know, uh, if you guys are sending out this product and you want me to kind of talk about it, it's great. But I'd really like to talk about the products that I thought the audience or I was interested in, too. And then they're like, nah. <laughs> actually they don't do that everybody does the same answer by the way all companies they just don't respond to you on those questions <laughs> uh, they they respond on the, the things they want and they don't on the others so again that's what happened i still like the products and i i met the owner he seemed like the nicest guy uh but as a company i don't think they uh and i think also uh, it was very it was conveyed to me very, very uh, upfront, by the way, so I should put this out, that they were in the boom, of course, the guitar boom, and they were killing it, and they really don't need any kind of promotion. You know what I mean? That's kind of how that was conveyed to me, is, you know, a lot of companies were pretty upfront, as you guys know, for the last two years with a lot of the channels, including myself, as when you talk to them going, hey, I'd like to get one of your guitars on the channel and talk about it, and they were like, you know, we're selling guitars so much, we don't need anything. Have a nice day. So that's why you don't see a lot of stuff, too. Which is why I bought so many damn guitars in the last year to review on the channel. Uh, Jeff says, uh, new guitar day. Awesome, buddy. Good to hear it. What well gets here Monday? Ah, so it's not really a new guitar day, is it? It says, Ibanez J Custom HSS. Ibanez only pickups, limited edition DiMaggio Black Velvet. Uh, humbucker Black Velvet Singles. Not True Velvet. Any idea of the tones? Uh, I don't know... I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Uh, you're saying limited edition DiMaggio Black Velvet Humbucker. Okay. Black Velvet Singles, not True Velvet. Okay. So is there different ones? I mean, I'm not versed in all the pickups, uh, so I don't know. Any idea on the tones? I don't know. I do know, know this. Uh, Larry DiMarzio and the DiMarzio people, I should say, uh, besides Larry, are very involved in the companies they work with. That's why they don't work with so many. They, I mean, if you guys see, look, DiMarzio is a different different thing than Seymour Duncan. They all both have their benefits, but they are wired differently as companies and their philosophies. DiMarzio, as I've told you guys this before, no import pickups. DiMarzio only does USA pickups. Okay. Even IBZ pickups, which are Ibanez that say IBZ DiMaggio, those are made in the USA too. Okay. He doesn't do a subline of pickups and he doesn't do the authorized thing where he's like, okay, make a pickup like mine and you know, whatever, call it something else. Nothing wrong with that deal. I'm just telling you that's how he's wired. Okay. Uh, as a company that, you know, comes from the top down kind of concept. The other thing is he's intimately involved in 
working with those companies uh, to give you a, a great, this is an, I don't think this is a secret of any, uh, to any, uh, of any kind. I don't think I'll get, you know, any, any grief for telling you guys this. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Um, um, hold on a second. Um, okay. So, um, uh, Basically, when DiMaggio did the pickups for the Music Man guitar for Eddie Van Halen, uh, they made they won, right? That was a that was a thing that they had to win, right? In other words, uh, Eddie Van Halen wanted different pickups, and they had Seymour Duncan and I'm sure other brands, and uh, DiMaggio ended up winning, and that's what went into the uh, Music Man Access, which was the Eddie Van Halen guitar. When Eddie left Music Man to go to PV. Uh, Eddie's manager or whatever, and Eddie's team contacted DiMaggio and said, uh, we want you to make the pickups for the PVs. We're going to PV now. And DiMaggio's like, great. And they go, but you can't sell pickups anymore to Music Man. Now, what's important about that is to this day, if you buy the Music Man Access, the current one, the USA one, it is the same pickups that it was the day it started when it was with Eddie Van Halen. So even though it's not the signature Eddie Van Halen model, it's still the same pickups they made because they made a deal with Ernie Ball to sell them those pickups. What DiMaggio told Eddie's team was, we love you guys. We want to come to PV, but we're not going to stop selling pickups to Music Man because we didn't make an agreement with you to sell pickups to you. We made the agreement with Music Man and we honored those agreements. And that's why they stayed in Music Man. And that's probably why Music Man uses DiMaggio so much to this day, because you can see this a lot. When you see Music Man and you see Ibanez, what I see, I see those companies pretty much using DiMaggio a lot. Less with Ibanez now, because they kind of doing other stuff too, but you see a lot. Um, so my answer to your question is, I don't know officially what's the difference about those tones, but I will tell you that Ibanez and DiMaggio do work together. I mean, literally, they work together on all those individual guitar projects. There's like a feedback about finding the right pick pickups the right guitars they put a lot of time in it and and if any of you want to say because i know i always can predict some of the negative comments they were going to say well i've been selling like crap well let me tell you this if it sounded like crap i could tell you this they intended it for it to sound however it sounds <laughs> if you don't like it you don't like it but i really believe they intended it to do that way so so there you go that's i hope that helps um Kindle from Bensonite, Pro Bensonite Products. Hey, man, what's up? Says, uh, happy Friday, Phil. Recently bought a Tone King Iron Man 2 Mini for my deluxe reverb. I don't have a question. <laughs> I'm just loving it and want to say, I'm, I'm glad you like it. You know, that's a great uh, 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 attenuator. I really wish I bought the mini. Like I said, I bought the full, the 100 watt one because I was like, oh, for the channel, it'll probably make more sense. But deep down, the mini, I think the mini's, if you don't need more than the 30 watts, uh, the mini is better because you don't have to plug it in to get it to, you know, to work. Um, that's one of the things that's great about the mini is that if you don't want the solo feature, you don't have to plug it in the wall. And that's one thing I liked about the Rivera Rock Crusher. That's one thing I liked about some of the attenuators that you don't have to plug in the wall. It's because it, to me, it's like that adds another step to the process. Now I got to plug in the amp, hook up the amp to the attenuator, now plug the attenuator wall, I need another outlet. It's just more stuff to deal with. So I kind of like that you don't have to do that on the mini uh, Iron Man. And then, um, and then that brings me to somebody, you know, and here's why somebody asked a question earlier and I grabbed it, but it really connects to this question. So let me see if I can find it. Um, 
The question came from Witchell, who said, Phil, can you review a Boss Waza tube amp expander? Um, okay, so I borrowed a Waza tube amp expander about a year ago from a buddy. I had it for about two days. It was very limited use, so I want to be very clear that I did not have a lot of time with it. Um, it was kind of like a, he got one, and he's like, hey, you want to check it out? And actually, just so we're very clear about all this, he actually got it. He didn't like it, and he wanted to get my input on it. And so I was like, all right, I'll check it out. Um, though the Baza, the Baza, the Baza, which is what they should now call the Waza stuff, Baza, um, the Waza craft, uh, uh, tube expander. Uh, when I did the video this week of the, uh, of the captor versus the ox. And then of course I threw in that you can do the Iron Man Tone King stuff. Uh, a lot of comments about the Waza, uh, tube expander and the Fryat, uh, unit. And, um, I personally, I've tried them both and I preferred the Fryat to the Waza it, it, it kind of, and when I say kind of is again, I, I'm, I don't have an attitude of like those products are not good. And this product is good. It's not what I'm saying. It's about what needs does it fill? I don't have a need that the Waza or the Fryat would fill. Um, how they work, they work differently than the other units. So how the Waza works, which is very important to understand is you plug your amp into the Waza and then it has a solid state, uh, class D power amp in it that then goes out to your cabinet. And, uh, and I'm sure it's great. Okay. I'm sure it sounds great. Um, the effects were okay. There were some things I liked about it. Again, I'm a, I'm a boss uh, fan. Um, however, and again, same with the fry, which the fry, it's different because it uses a two power section. So again, you're plugging your amp into that and then it's outputting its power section into the cabinet. And, uh, those are great, but for me and my needs, I would just use the Kemper or something like that. I would just use, because the Kemper has a powered section too. One of the things I don't like about the Kemper's power section, and I'm not real big on the way it sounds. The I love the, well, I don't say I would love it. I use the Kemper. I, I told you I had an Xfix and I had a Kemper for a while and Helix and all that stuff. And the Kemper, uh, one of the things I liked is, is that you can get a powered one. And so you can just power the cabinet. And the power section is probably the weakest thing for me, in my opinion, on the on the on that unit. And so, to me, those things—if I'm not using the whole amp, and to some degree, I kind of just feel a little disconnected from it. Not that it was bad or good. So, that's that's my answer on that. And that's why I didn't compare them in, the, in that video because to me, they're different products. That they, they they do the same thing, but a totally different way. And that needs to be kind of explained to somebody. I think uh, that might be a thing. Uh, there you go. Uh, Swift Vic says, I have a Boss Katana. Do I need to upgrade my speaker? Is it overkill? Uh, I did it uh, on my, my <laughs> back to Boaza. Boaza. My Katana, uh, I kind of changed out the speakers. Remember I told you I thought about doing a video. Hey, change out the speakers and the Katana. Which one's the best? And the original was the best. <laughs> Um, my guess is, is because that's kind of how a lot of that stuff works. If you think about it, right. Um, those things create the sound. They're not part of it. It's not part like a tube amp. Let's just stick to two amps. A lot of times a tube amp is one part of the equation and the speaker and the cabinet are another part of that equation for its ultimate sound. Right. So in other words, like to me, a plexi without having a vintage 30, not a vintage 30, sorry, a greenback or a creamback is a different vibing amp than it was when the vintage 30. Uh, I think the, a lot of times the modeling technology amps, um, 
to some degree, they're just designed to kind of have a reference speaker. So I think that speaker is probably more like a PA speaker and less like a guitar speaker. I could be totally wrong. I'm just giving you my vibe of what I what I thought I heard. And when I put guitar speakers in the Waza, um, I got a couple things that sound a little better, but I got a lot of things that sound a lot worse. And I was like, okay, you know, and that's the problem. You, if you change out the speaker, you're going to have to play for hours through all the settings to figure out what it ruined and what it made. And I think, uh, just keep it easy. <laughs> so... To me, if you're going to do that, I would just jump out onto another speaker cabinet and power another speaker cabinet with it. I'm not telling you to do that, but that's what I would do. I would, it won't be worth your time to change out the speaker. Uh, but I would love, again, if anyone has changed the speaker successfully in the Waza and loved it, put that in the comments, right? It's good feedback to get from, from everyone. Um, Don says, Hey, Phil, I just bought a Fender player Stratocaster from Sweetwater and had them pluck it. What is your opinion about plucking guitars? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're gonna get there in a second. Uh, is it worth doing? It's getting delivered on Sunday. Um, I, I plucked this Squire Affinity at Sweetwater, uh, over a year ago, year and a half ago. I did the six month update video. So Don, if you Google Squire plucked or Sweetwater plucked, McKnight plucked <laughs> any of that stuff it'll come up uh exactly like you i was curious you know what i mean will it work you did a fender player which is a much nice much nicer guitar than this affinity what i will tell you is every single person again this is not proof of anything okay one like i've always said over and over again one review is not all reviews one one thought is not all thoughts kind of thing but every single person's comment <laughs> on my videos on that guitar uh, that were negative or the same one, which was like, yes, but in a year, the frets will sprout and the guitar where that guitar plays perfect. I've never done anything. That guitar is perfect. I have heard people say in the comments, they got guitars plucked and it wasn't great. That's absolutely true. And it can absolutely happen because a plec is just a computerized for the lack of a better exp explanation. It's a computerized Luthier tech setup. And just like a uh, tech can do a crappy job, the person running the plec or the that day could be a bad job. So yeah, you could get a bad plec just like you could get a bad setup. That's that's uh, it's common. What plecs are supposed to be doing is cutting down on that uh, on that equation. In other words, maybe nine out of 10 times is a perfect setup where a human would do it maybe eight out of 10 times or something, seven out of 10 times, whatever the number is. So, uh, you know, I, I like this, uh, love it when somebody says, uh, they'll say to me, especially friends will say, Hey, do you think a plex is as good as a, you know, a tech, a good tech? And I go, that's not the question. <laughs> the question is, is a plex? And for me, the question is, is a plex better than a tech on a bad day? You know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's what I, and I think the answer is yes. I think that uh, on a, on a bad day, of course it'll win because it doesn't have a bad day. It's a machine. So I think I could, I personally think if you gave me a guitar and I would do, I'd do this, I don't know how you do it. I mean, I would love to do it at Sweetwater or something, but I love for somebody to give me a guitar and give the plaque, you know, give guy plaque guitar, make us, let us both work on the guitars and do a setup and have everybody play it and say, I know I'm going to win. It's like, what's that guy? What's the old story when we're kids? The, the guy chopping wood versus the machine, right? Is that a thing, right? Paul Bunyan, is it Paul Bunyan? I always think of the, the bounty towel guy, right? The, um, bounty, you know, bounty towels. But anyways, Paul Bunyan thing, right? Uh, can I beat the machine? Sure. But I would bring my A game. My <laughs> I would be working extra hard, polishing extra hard. I mean, I would bring it and I would win. 
And I and, and maybe if I don't, that really tells you something. But I, if I do win, it really doesn't tell you anything because all it tells you is that if I give, bring my A game and my energy, can I do it? Yes. But the question is, am I that every single time? I try to be, but like all of you have jobs. Everybody knows. Sometimes some people get your B line work and some people get your A line work. And I try to give everybody the A work, but it happens, right? Sometimes, you, sometimes you're not aware of it. I find that's the biggest problem. A lot of times when I'm giving B grade work, it's like, eh, I thought I was doing a good job, but maybe I wasn't there. Maybe I wasn't focused right. So I try to do it that way. Um, Ellen says to please make sure you give a thumbs up <laughs> because it pisses off the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I wish I was kidding now. You understand, like YouTube is trying to, um, I'm going to give you some side, uh, some inf insight and then we'll get back to guitars. Just one second. Give me like 10, 20 second platform, little soapbox here. You understand YouTube's trying to kill all of us, the independent stuff. And I say us, I don't mean me and YouTubers like me. I mean, you guys, this, the, think about this. YouTube has done nothing, right? Nothing to improve or enhance the live interaction system that we have now. I have no features in which to make this show better. I would love it if I could have moderators that can actually grab your questions and put them in a queue for me. And therefore I'm not just randomly picking you guys and missing some people. I would love to have this interaction system improved in a lot of ways. There's a thousand things they can do to make this system better. And you guys are here every week. There's 1,023 of us. We're here every Friday. We're hanging out. This is our thing. We want to do it. There are thousands of YouTubers on YouTube right now across the platform in all genres doing this stuff. I saw a YouTuber had 300,000 subscribers like me. They had 4,000 people live. It was for comic book stuff, but still it was just crazy. And they had the same complaints I did, which is, you know, how do I, I want to make this experience better for my audience and YouTube doesn't care. And the reason is, is because YouTube's focused on Jimmy Kimmel and making sure Will Smith gets all the clicks he can get and all that stuff. And I, I'm not here to complain about that. What I'm trying to tell you guys is, is that sometimes I want you to be aware, not only do you have to help the channels with a thousand subs and 500 subs and 200 subs, but help all the channels that you like that are independent. And if that means giving a thumbs up or making a comment, again, you don't have to do it financially. It does help a little. And I want you to be aware of something. It only helps a little. And that's what I want. And that's why this is insurmountable. If you guys all, there's a thousand of you. If I got a thousand thumbs up. I, in fact, if you, to prove it to you, do it. I know it's a great way where I'm trying to con you into the idea, but I'm actually trying to prove something to you. If I got a thousand likes on this video next week, I would barely have one to 2% more average views than I normally get. That's what it does. You guys thumb, you guys interacting with the videos increases it by just a small amount. That's why it's more important to do it now. You don't have to do it. It's not a, not a, not a, not telling you guys to do it, but make sure that you're supporting the channels you want to, you want to help. That's what I'm basically getting at. <laughs> um, there you go. <laughs> On that note. Okay. Um, Joe's question is, Phil, love the show. I thank you, man, for that. I appreciate that. I have a 1974 Rickenbacker 4001 and a 2020 4003. The dual truss rods scare me a bit. It's a wacky thing, man. There's nothing wrong with be scared about. Um, they are wacky. And I have seen only one, and I want to add to the fear, but I'll add to the fear and then I'll get you out of there. 
I saw someone who said they were a tech once stripped the crap out of them because they'd never seen them before. Uh, recommendation, recommendations on adjusting the neck and keeping it straight. Um, well, I've never done a video on that because it's not something I've had since I've been doing YouTube to have on the, you know, I, when I did the last couple I did were 10 years ago. Just not a lot of people with those, uh, in those bases. Um, so I would say, check that out first. It's not that hard. It's not a big deal. Um, it's like anything on a truss rod. You make small adjustments and you make sure you have the right tools. Keep in mind, I always say this and I always remind you, and this is why I said I'll scare you and then I'll take you out of it. The term that you should always be familiar with when it comes to truss rods is stripping a truss rod. Breaking a truss rod is a term that I hate. Very rarely, and I mean very rarely, like almost non non-existent, do you break a truss rod. The idea that you somehow crack the truss rod is just insane. That's not gonna. It's not a, not a viable uh, concern to have. The biggest concern is to strip the truss rod. Stripping the truss rod does not happen because you in in ninety percent of the time, ninety percent of the time you don't strip the truss rod because you keep cranking on it. You're like, I just keep cranking until it, you know. And then when it can't turn anymore, you just keep going. You strip it because you're using the wrong tool. <laughs> wrong tools are this, and and. It's not even always your fault. Once someone that had the instrument before instrument before you uses the wrong tool, they put you down the road that you've got to deal with, which is your stress rod nut or Allen, uh, Allen uh, socket is screwed because it's stripped a little bit, right? Then add all the new cheapness and metals and all the other problems you can have. You're just compounding it. But so make sure you use the right tool and also, before you use the right tool that you're 100% sure of, also make sure that you inspect it to make sure that no one's damaged it, slightly stripped it, screwed it up in any way. And if they have, don't worry. It's just going to cost you a little bit because you're going to have to go online and search for the tools that will uh, take care of it. <laughs> In other words, there's tools, there's tools you can buy that will help that problem. For instance, uh, I'm not saying for this particular issue because it's not really what you need, but they have like tapered Allen wrenches and stuff like that. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there that, that fixes all kinds of problems, but that's the big thing that you have to pay attention to. Um, and then, like I said, but if you, to me, if you do little micro turns and <laughs> go slow and steady, there's almost very little you can do to damage a guitar neck. Again, I'm not going to say nothing because you can, but it's not not the fear everybody should have. No one should have trust rod fear. Kevin says, Music Nomad has an entire website for what type of wrench you need and trust rod. Yes, they have a, a drop-down menu trust rod finder, and they have a kit. I'm only mentioning that because they give the, the trust rod finder service absolutely free. You don't have to buy anything from Music Nomad to use it, or you can buy their kit for 60 bucks that goes with that. In fact, if you watch my stocking video when it comes out, I use that kit in that video because I absolutely love the kit. I think, of course, hold on, I'm pouring more vodka. Maybe that's a pleasing sound. <laughs> okay, so... Um, I think $60 for a bunch of Allen wrenches is kind of psychotic, <laughs> but I know, in my opinion, in, in my opinion, I know that a lot of that cost is also they did the resources, they did the work and you get to take advantage of the resources without having to pay them. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just letting you know, if you want to buy the kit, you're supporting them and it's a good kit. Yeah. Um, Weedy Guitar Studio says, depends on the, oh wait, nope, back, sorry, jumped. <laughs> I was reading one and it jumped. 
Hold on. I'm sorry. I was looking for the question. Uh, somebody was giving you a suggestion. And they were saying basically do one side and then the other. And that's how I remember doing it. But again, I was 10 years ago. But again, seems twice as hard because it has twice as many, but it's not. Just again, make an adjustment, make the other adjustment. Also, like I said, try to find some reference material. You can find it. It's the internet's out there. You can, uh, you can find a manual on it. You can find a video on it. You'll find something and you can literally read and go, okay, here's the, there's this, there's gotta be somebody out there giving you a step process. I'm pretty sure when I did it, that's probably what I did. It was 10 years ago and you still could do that back then. Obviously I probably pulled up some kind of resource material, followed it and just did it. Um, happy Friday. He says, uh, grumpy Mike says, happy Friday. Hope, uh, the lovely Mrs. McKnight is doing well. Please uh, send her my best regards. She's doing well. She had MRI today. And that was one of the things that happened this week. Now, again, not bad. I have a lot of nice guitars. Life is good. I'm telling you guys, cause I don't want to like you guys to go into like super chat crazy sometimes. Like that's not what this is about. Trust me. If you see me selling a couple guitars, then, then maybe if you want to throw some super chats for my, my troubles, that would appreciate it. But what I'm about to tell you is what happened was I told you, they think it's her, something is wrong in her neck, a pinched nerve or something is causing the headaches and all this stuff. So they ordered MRI of her neck and head. And of course the insurance company won't pay for the head. And so my wife's a little nervous because now she's got to sit in this MRI machine for an hour and a half and they're only going to do the neck. And so uh, I said, well, call them up and ask them how much it is to pay it out of pocket. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was, you know, it was a nice decent guitar, nice amp, <laughs> something like that. But, uh, so we paid for that. Um, and again, that wasn't the, the issue this week. That was just like one more, okay, we'll pay for that. No problem. But so the good news is we, she got the MRIs done on, uh, for head and neck and we'll know something next week if it's, which, whatever the problem is, and they can uh, hopefully fix it. And, uh, and uh, there you go. And so, you know, the insurance company, if we would have fought it, I guess, and we would have went back and forth, we probably could have got them to prove it. But here's the issue. You know, uh, any of you who know who has a loved one at this point, you know, you guys all know just as well as I do. The peace of mind is worth everything. So she just wants to know what's what's going on, what's causing this. So we have to pay out of pocket and instead of waiting a month or whatever to, for the insurance to push it back. That's what we did it. But. Uh, sleeping Audi says, uh, Phil, no, you can negotiate the price. Uh, yeah, look, man, I have been a small business owner 15 years. I appreciate that. And it's a good reminder. Cause I tell everybody, absolutely. So, you know, I am wired. We are wired as a small business. Cause we, we have insurance of course, but we don't have like cool corporate <laughs> insurance. Um, so not only do we negotiate, which she negotiated today too as well. Um, not only do we negotiate, I won't even tell companies I have insurance sometimes until I get the price if I'm not insured and then see which one's the better price. Because uh, when I started my business uh, in 2004, that was the first thing we had to give up was insurance. We had great insurance through my corporate you know, job. And then we'd get Cobras for as long as you can tolerate. I think it runs. No, it doesn't run out. Just as long as we could tolerate, but it was expensive, obviously. And then at some point, we're like, okay, let's get insurance. And the insurance you get when you have a small business, your insurance is like, I don't know. It's insane. It's like $1,000 a month, and they and they have like a $20,000 deductible. <laughs> so you're covering the first like $20,000 of every year. And so it doesn't cover anything. It costs you know a lot. And uh and uh, so we learned, like, prescriptions, all that stuff. You have to negotiate. Yeah, so I negotiate. I'll negotiate anything uh, for insurance. 
And it's a nightmare. And I don't want to get on the subject, but it's a nightmare because like you go to get an x-ray, it'll crack you up. I have, this is a true story. I'm not making this up. Um, we've had to have x-rays and I, we were laughing going, she would call around and the answers were hilarious. They were like, somebody would be like, oh, it's $800. And she's like, okay. And she called the next place and they go, it's $80. And they go, oh, okay. And then she called the next place and they go, oh, we can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean you can't tell me? Yeah, we don't know until you do it. I mean, it was just the gamut of that you get is psychotic. So, yes, great suggestion. And uh, I appreciate you looking out for us. But, yeah, we, we already do that. Yeah, like I said, um, we have better insurance now. This is the best insurance we've had for the last couple of years uh, than we've had in years. Um, and, uh, yeah, just how you got to do it, man. That's, that's one of the damn things. For those of you living outside the United States, now you can understand all this craziness. I know... Uh, my friends from other countries are like, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Buzz Wilson just got, gave me money for a coffee fund. That's awesome. I actually uh, I started drinking iced coffees, uh, and uh, I really shouldn't go on a tangent now because i got to stay focused. But uh, what happened was I told you guys for my birthday in July I got a new coffee ma maker, and one of the things it does, it does espressos and cappuccinos and all that stuff. And uh, so now I can do espresso shot in a ice glass and then, you know, ice glass, a glass full of ice, throw in a little bit of, of uh, you know, cream and uh, get an iced coffee. It's fantastic. So I will put that to good use. Um, and then uh, D. Sharon said, happy Friday. Chris Goat. Oh, Chris Goodwin says, here's some beer money, man, beer and coffee uh, to spend at Four Peaks or Twin Peaks, your choice. It'll be Four Peaks. Um, okay, so now I'm going to tell you guys, because I wanted to tell you last week, but the show went off the rails last week with all the internet stuff and everything else going crazy. So let me tell you the funny story. It, it, it goes like this. So you guys know, if you guys have been watching, you know the whole, I went took my wife to Twin Peaks when I meant to go to Four Peaks, and Twin Peaks is where they have girls in lingerie, and Four Peaks is where they have this uh, beer that I like. And so last Friday, no, not last Friday, last Saturday? Last Saturday, last Saturday, my wife and daughter, we were out uh, buying uh, Christmas stuff, and uh, they said, hey, do you want to go to Four Peaks so you can actually get your your growler. And I'm like, yes, let's go. And so here's why this story is funny. So we went there and if you guys follow the social media stuff, I don't post a lot of stuff, but I did post that I got a growler and I got a pumpkin beer, which actually tasted like 1554. If you guys know that beer, it's one of my favorite beers. It's really dark. It's like a Guinness kind of thing, chocolatey kind of vibe. And then I got a, a kilt lifter uh, growler. And, <laughs> and here's why the story is funny. I told, I was on a tirade and, and, uh, with my wife and, and this is what it was. I was telling her, I said, you know, I think I know what the problem was that when I told the story to you guys about, we went to Twin Peaks and the girls were in lingerie. I said, you know, there's a saying I heard once and I loved it and I must've heard it 20 years ago. And it said, and the saying was, there's nothing is, nothing is beautiful as a happy waitress. I don't know where I heard that. Some of you guys might know. I think it may be a comedian or somebody, maybe from a TV show or movie. It just was nothing's, you know, nothing's more beautiful than a happy waitress. And for some of you guys may know what that means. I, to me, it means exactly that. It means there's just something about when somebody comes uh, to take care of you, and it could be a waiter too, uh, and they have this like 
you know, like they'll take care of you, you know, like, what do you want to drink? You know, oh, by the way, if you're going to order that, like how many times have you had this happen where somebody's like, uh, you go to order something and they go, oh, by the way, if you order it this way, you save 10% or you get this or, you know, right. And they're giving you advice and you feel like they're happy, you know, and, and they're in a good mood and just makes the experience uh, better. And so I was telling my wife that saying, and I said, you know, it's funny we were in that bar with all those girls in lingerie and I don't remember any of them. <laughs> right. And the reason why this story connects is a couple of days later, we went to this uh, breakfast place and we, we shared an omelet and the waitress was amazing. And we both remember every detail about her. She had short blonde hair. She was really just really, pol- you know, polite and super nice. Um, I feel guilty. The tip just cause the, uh, the 25% tip wasn't enough because the we shared an omelet so i had a tip or more and then my wife looked at the tip and she's like oh are you tipping what she was curious like what are you tipping off and i go i don't know i just feel like she deserves more than just 25 percent off an omelet and some coffees and uh 25 so i so anyway so what's funny was a couple days later we're talking and we can vividly remember this happy waitress and we can't remember the girl that was half naked and which is probably not a big deal for my wife but it was a big deal for me because i'm thinking why don't i remember the half naked girl as much as i remember the girl who was just in a good mood so this is all before I went to back to Four Peaks with my my daughter and my wife that took me. This is why they took me, because I was telling my 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 family. I said if we were smart, we would open a a restaurant called the Happy Waitress, and it would just be women like eighty five year old women, forty year old women, twenty year old women. I don't care, just every age, every kind of person, right? No hot outfits, just whatever it takes to keep them in a good mood, right? <laughs> treat them right. I said, think about this. If there was a place where you went and the, and the service was just fantastic and everybody was in a good mood. Uh, I said, the only thing that would be bad is somebody would be like, Hey, you know, one of your friends would be like, want to go to the happy waitress? I'm like, Oh man, I can't afford it. Cause we always tip so much. Cause you know, you just leave such in a good mood. You gotta, gotta tip them so much. So basically I, I was telling my, this is why my daughter and my wife took me to the four peaks. I was telling them, I said, here's what's missing. Everybody thinks, I guess, people want to see half-naked women serve you beer. But really, I want to see a happy person serve me a beer. And uh, I think that'd be better. So, (laughs) that's just my thing. I don't know if that's funny, what I just said, but it's what happened. So, they took me and I got my growlers. And, and the best part of the story was, they told the waitress at Four Peaks my story and she was also very nice and super awesome. And she uh, she was laughing that I, you know, when they told her that we went to tw- Twin Peaks thinking it was Four Peaks. But so, you know, she was kind enough, see, happy. She was kind enough to, whether she told the truth or lied, I don't care. I'm taking it. She told me, that happens all the time. Don't worry about it. People go there thinking it's Four Peaks. <laughs> so, so somebody says, you mean 80% naked? Whatever I said, you know what I mean. So, uh Matt says livable wages. Yeah, I understand that too. So, you know, I have a friend who owns a restaurant, a couple restaurants, and I, I you know, I'm all for that too. Um, obviously it's important. Uh, I, you live in different places where I live. If you can get the hours, a waitress and a waiter can make good money. I have a couple friends that are wait. I have a couple friends that are waitresses. And like I said, I have a friend who owns a restaurant and, and they make good money. They can here at least. So, 
Richard said that was a long way around to get out of trouble with my wife. Get out of trouble with the wife. Yeah, I don't get in trouble. Like, trust me, she didn't care. I just thought it was kind of funny. So, David said they have to act happy to get a decent tip because waiters, waiters suck it in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. Like I said, I just like the idea that I think, uh, I guess what I want to say is a personality goes a long way, is what I'm trying to say. So, that's basically what I'm trying to say. Is it's weird to me. I think a personality is a, a very powerful thing. Uh, the uh, what was it? Um, Jerry Seinfeld was talking about being a stand up comedian and making people laugh. And he said, It's he says, The art of conversation. He goes, he, He's a conversationalist for a living. You know, obviously, he tells stories and jokes. He says, He feels like a blacksmith because <laughs> no one knows how to knows how to talk anymore. So, I don't know. I thought that was hopefully that was interesting. We'll get back to guitars now. Alan Sam's music. What's up, Alan? He says, uh, Phil, I have a new Telecaster type guitar and the input jack is really tight. Hard to insert. Remove the cable suggestions for fixing this. Sure, that happens a lot, especially on Tele style guitars, um, because especially if you have that compression uh, cap in there, sometimes the, the cable gets uh, what it is, is, you know, you have your uh, output jack itself and there's a uh, for lack of a better term, a bent arm pushing against the cable, and that's pushing against the side of the of the uh, uh, the hole for the for the uh, for the the jack. Um, so my best advice is to take it apart, and sometimes you have to kind of smooth all that in there. Sometimes because when they drilled it out, they just didn't kind of finish it out, make it look nice, and give you a little bit of room. Or sometimes you can just get away with turning it different different ways until it lines up correctly either way it just needs to be adjusted and smoothed out uh it's super easy super easy thing to do but it's really common so you know curtis says happy friday phil dr z amps in particular the z rec junior any experience with this amp sounds like a mini train wreck circuit could be um sweetwater carries them nudge nudge say no more um i have a dr z maz 18 and i've owned the maz 38 for the out of the Doctor Z series of amps, the Maz is what appealed to me because it's kind of like this uh, Vox kind of thing going on, and that's what I kind of dug is the thing. Um, the Z Rec, I don't think I've tried. I might have tried it. I've tried a lot of Doctor Z amps. If you guys remember Doctor Z when they came out, they were super cheap. That was the thing. You could buy a Doctor Z for less than a Fender. Right? It was like crazy. And then they were slightly more than a Fender, but that was great because it was like a boutique thing for less, you know, for a little bit more than Fender. And now they're kind of priced heavy. So there you go. Um, I would love to try a, a, a Z-Rec. Like I said, I like the Dr. Z stuff. But of all the ones I've tried, for some, for me and my amps and what I use, I like the Maz 18 uh, and the 38. So, you know, to me, I got the Maz 18, just to be clear. I got the Maz 18 because that's the one I found uh, I found one that I could price right. I would have preferred the Maz 38 head, uh, versus the Maz 18 head I got. But like I said, the one I found was the right, it was in perfect condition. It came from Sweetwater, but it was used. So somebody had just bought it from Sweetwater, had it for about four or five months, brand new box, brand new condition. I mean, it was literally brand new and I got it for, uh, like I said, this is pre COVID. So, I mean, I got it for probably 40%, 30, 40% off new, maybe more. So it was great. And uh, <laughs> it's not a big deal. The 38 will just give you a higher clean headroom, which is nice. Voodoo Fist says, hey, Phil, after watching your attenuator video this week, I'm looking at buying the Tone King Ironman 30 uh, Mini 
watt for all my amps. Um, can I use it with a 112 combo? You can, and how would I set it up? You can, as long as your combo has an output. So uh, for instance, a lot of combos have uh, cables hardwired, either clipped on or soldered to the terminals on the speaker. And then there's a quarter inch plug plugged in the amp. If you have that, it's super easy. You're just going to plug a regular quarter inch speaker cable from your amp to the uh, Tone King uh, Iron Man 2. And then you're going to plug the speaker cable from the speaker to that. It's done. You put it on top of the amp, call it a day. If you are hardwired, in other words, if you're soldered, like some kind of internal wiring coming out of the bottom of the amp, sometimes it happens, especially like on the Fender basement and stuff. Um, it's coming out of the bottom and then it goes right to the speaker or speakers. Then you're going to have to do some soldering, wiring, kind of put it to put it in place. But yes, I hope that, I hope that kind of makes sense what I'm saying. Again, um, it's super, it's super easy. It's not a, it's not a difficult thing to pull off, especially if you're not hard soldered to everything. I have no idea. So I'm just going to say this person, I apologize. That's a lot of letters, man. Uh, it says, but you'll know who I'm talking about when I say your question, Phil, I love the channel. Need a telly build. Wait, need telly build have a HB. I think that's a Harley Benton, but maybe let's see how let's go in the neck. Nope. It's humbucker humbucker in the neck. So okay, need telly build have a humbucker in the neck that I can split a single coil at the bridge. Can't decide how to match up the pickups, uh, output, and also what type of wiring value pots caps. Okay. So basically what you're saying is you want to put a single coil on the bridge, humbucker in the neck, and you're not going to have a problem because most tele humbuckers are wound pretty hot, uh, or sorry, tele single coils in the bridge. They're wound pretty hot. Um, there it's not the same issue. Like a lot of times you have issues with strats where you put a humbucker in the bridge and you have a single coil in the neck and there's a there's a big dive off in the signal uh, when you go to the neck, um, which is why you want the, the humbucker to be wired uh, and wound a certain way. In the telly, it's kind of like the telly's, you got to understand, telly's inherently, their issue is the bridge is really loud, punchy, out there. It's in your face. And then you go to the neck and it just drops. A lot of, a lot of energy goes away. And that's why a lot of telly players will put a mini humbucker or humbucker or a P90 in the neck. It's not that they don't like the telly pickup. It's just they don't want that drop off. If you're trying to push an amp to overdrive and you get the bridge and you hit it, you know, hit a cord and the amp's overdriven a little bit, you got a little breakup, you go to the neck, man. You just go clean. All of a sudden the amp goes clean. That's a really, really hard thing to deal with. So you don't really have to worry about a whole lot. Um, I wouldn't put anything high output as a humbucker because then you would have that issue, right? The this, So I would stick to anything that's like a PAF style pickup, anything that's going to be uh, 10 K below kind of humbucker. I think you'd be fantastic in the neck. Uh, and then, uh, uh, like I said, and then, uh, for caps, let's back up for pots. Um, I, I usually would say in that guitar, I would put two fifties in there. That's how I would do that. Uh, just because that just makes, you know, that's just, I think it's easy. You can put either one again, all your the reason why I put two fifties is this inherently, you got to understand the difference between the 250K pot and the 500K pot is that the 500K is going to let a little bit more highs out, you know, or let through, I should say. It's a little bit brighter, okay? Well, here's the thing. I would rather have the 250K darken the neck pickup a little bit than have that bridge pickup be any more bright than it normally is. And that depends on what pickup you bit you get, right? But if you're going with a, a standard, like, si single coil tele pickup, I would definitely say 250K pots, 
that's easy. And then capacitor, you just put a 0.47 uh, microfarad in there, and and that that's perfect for the telly. Uh, and then caps, you know, you can go as crazy as you want, get special ones, get vintage ones, get paper, oil, plastic, <laughs> right? Recycled, whatever it is. Uh, again, it's whatever, you know, you want to try. Um, what I, I, for me, what I always kind of chuckle about is, uh, you know, you, it's hard to predict what cap is going to work the best. Most of them are sound the same. I love it when somebody says, oh, they don't sound any different. Well, there's a lot of them that don't. And every once in a while, there's one that is. And that's why, like I said, it's nice to have, to buy a few. Um, I like to buy, uh, you know, I have tons of them and you buy them and they're not super expensive and you try them. And if you like them, great. And if not, I have a little drawer full of capacitors of, you know, four sevens and two twos. And, and I try them on different guitars and it's weird to me sometimes, a lot of times, actually the cheap ones actually sound sometimes the best because it depends on what you want to do. Sometimes in a telly, when you're rolling down that, rolling back that bridge pickup, you want that, again, those highs to dissipate and those cheaper capacitors on those tone knobs you roll them back man they suck all those highs out of there and that's sometimes the thing you want um uh luke says hey phil great show what do you like no what do i think of the gibson pcbs uh uh should you keep or replace them i i leave them alone unless you're replacing stuff i you know, it depends, right? If somebody has me change a pickup and a guitar and a Gibson and it has the PC board in there in the cavity, it's one pickup. I'll go through the trouble to kind of desolder out the wires or, you know, solder the clips on, put the clip on, put it back in the way it was, call it a day. One pickup's good. Two pickups I might still do that. But if they say change out this pot, this pickup, right? It's like, it's a workload thing. At some point for me, it's not about how good or bad the PCBs are. It's about time. And that's, again, I'm just wired that way, whether it's personal or for work, I'm going to, I'm pretty much wired the same when it comes to this stuff. To me, I'm going to look at this and go, okay, if I spend an hour and a half dorking around with this stupid PCB board and I can rewire this whole thing in less time, I'm just going to gut it, rewire it. And, and a lot of times I have, uh, what's nice is I have, uh, the option with that because a customer, if it's even for a customer, because, it, it, you know, cost of labor is half, if not more than what the parts are. Uh, and a lot of times more, obviously, because, you know, potential numbers are five bucks or seven bucks now or whatever they are now, eight bucks now. They, I bought in so many in bulk right when COVID happened. I haven't gotten through them, so I haven't seen what they are now. Um, but cutting your labor time, you know, cutting your labor back, it makes it make sense for the customer every time. You're like, hey, I can gut everything and rewire everything. It's 90 bucks. And they go, oh, 90 bucks. And they go, well, what if I do this? And I go, if you do that, I'm going to charge you 125 because it's going to take me this long. You know what I mean? And so to me, it's easier to just gut things. But it's not specifically because I don't like them. I just, again, it's a it's a aggravation time issue thing. So, John wants to know if the Gibson Nighthawk was the most underrated guitar. Is it the most underrated guitar? I don't think it gets the love it deserves. I think the Epiphone ones get some love, man. People really dig the when uh, Epiphone does the, the Nighthawk. It's really cool. The Nighthawk, I think the Nighthawk for me is one of those guitars that it's not that it's underrated. It's, I think, in my for me, in my personal experience with it was, when it came out, <laughs> I didn't really necessarily try it or know about it or want it. And 
they were inexpensive. <laughs> and then by the time everybody gets hip to like, this is kind of cool. This is something different. It's like, a, it's like a Les Paul, but it's not a Les Paul. It's like a Strat. It's like a Telly. It's like, you know, it's got this other vibe going. Now they're not cheap. <laughs> so that's what happens sometimes. So I think if you were smart enough to grab one, I have friends that have Gibson Nighthawks that bought them probably, I mean, not new, but used, but they probably bought them for 500 bucks. I mean, that's 400 bucks. I mean, I remember them doing it going, this is great. And I'm like, I guess. <laughs> now, 20 years later, you're like, oh, that's a good deal. Man, you should have bought one of those for four or 500 bucks, put it away and played it. So, unless, of course, they're four or $500 now, then who cares? Dirt Racer X says, what is my favorite pedal board? Um, well, I like holy boards because I don't love Velcro, as you guys know. I have temple boards, but I've decided I really don't like the temple board thingies uh what do you call it those things that stick to the bottom of the pedal here's why man you stick those things to the bottom of the pedals and then when you decide you don't love that pedal anymore and you want to sell it it's worse than velcro to deal with that you got to stick uh, like i stick a knife in there and i peel that thing off and then i got to clean all the gum and glue off of it uh because i you know i want to get the most from my pedal as possible so i want it to be clean so i'm not a huge fan of those uh couplers on the holy board so i use zip ties on the holy boards and then the pro not holy boards i'm sorry temple boards and the other complaint about that i have with temple boards which i still like them by the way is that they kind of are flat right they have a slight it's weird they put a slight elevation to them but it's so slight you can't tell and on stage i don't think i have a problem with that but sitting down man it's a nightmare as you guys know if you sit you need a pedal more at an angle than you do when you're standing on stage because you're sitting and your angle, your foot's different. Um, so I like temple boards. I would recommend them. Uh, but I like holy boards probably a little bit more. And I'm about to try my first um, non... Because uh, I've been only using holy boards for like this whole time on YouTube. I've I've highlighted a couple boards maybe here or there and some, some light videos, not really dedicated videos. But... Uh, if you guys know, I did that video with Vintage Tone uh, out there, Klon Clone Pedal. And uh, obviously the, the video seemed to do well because a lot of you guys bought that pedal. And uh, rightly so. I mean, it's like getting a Klon Clone for uh, sub 200 bucks. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of cool. And um, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so uh, long story short, they did what sometimes companies do. They, um, they uh, basically... Uh, sent me an email saying, Hey, would you like to do another video? And I was like, yeah. And so they asked me what pedal. And uh, so I don't want to ruin it because I don't want to tell you what pedal I picked, but I picked a pedal. And I said, yeah, let's do another one. And I said, but I would really like to check out one of your pedal boards because they're, if you guys were on their site, the pedal boards to me are different than their pedals because their pedals are really priced really good. Like $169 for, for their pedals and 150 bucks for the pedals that you can see anywhere else charging two, 254. It's a good deal, right? It's like, it's a good quality pedal. It's, it's handmade. It, it's a legit company. Uh, and they're, you know, they put a lot of time and effort in their work and their stuff. And then of course the price is right. The pedal boards look really good, but they seem a little pricier. So I have one of those. I don't know if it's coming yet, but it'll be here for January. And uh, so I'll, I'll maybe hopefully we'll, we'll like that one. Um, a lot of you guys have mentioned um, Mike Nesmith of the Monkees. Did he pass away? It says rest in peace. I'm assuming he passed away. I hadn't heard. I don't know if it, uh, so uh, it sucks to hear. A lot of us remember the Monkees. Man, the Monkees for me was after school. The Monkees for, for me was the first show after cartoons. <laughs> so in, in when, when I grew up, it was, 
It was you get out of school and you ran, <laughs> not uphill, not in the snow. You just had to run. You had to run if you wanted to be at home on time. I mean, literally, I'd throw the backpack across the front room, slide into the into the family room uh, in time for uh, either. Uh, well, for a while it was Robotech, and then it, Voltron took the spot. But it was like in time for Robotech, and then you'd watch like Robotech. And then like Voltron, right? And you, you only got a few cartoons, if you guys remember. There were Saturday morning cartoons. You only got those for a little while from like 6 a.m. 6 a.m. you get like Felix the Cat, which sucked. And then slowly you get the better cartoons. And by the by like 9, 30, 10 o'clock, you got Scooby-Doo. And then they were done with cartoons, right? The news would come on. And you'd be like, well, cartoons are over for the day. In the afternoons, we got home from school. There was just a few minute uh, cartoons. But then the monkeys came on. They were like the first show tv show after cartoons and reruns that i used to watch and um i used to love them for that you know what i mean it was before i knew what music was i knew you know i didn't even know what i was watching i just remember watching it going this is cool and they would just slowly win you over because it was like it was like the beatles it was like three stooges it was it was great so that sucks to hear so <laughs> bullets for my teeth says hey phil do you remember puffin stuff i do who doesn't remember witchy poo Yes. Puffin stuff is definitely a thing that if you go back, which I did probably in my uh, probably my late 20s, early 30s, I went back and watched a couple and then I went, what the hell? Were we on drugs? What the, did they put something in my chocolate milk? <laughs> uh, Beast Rich says, can you run in Phoenix Heat? I didn't grow up in Phoenix. I grew up in Tucson. And yeah, you can because Tucson is considerably a lot less hot I mean, don't get me wrong. Most people, if you went to Tucson, you'd probably have a heart attack with the heat, but it's not in the level of, of Phoenix. No, it's not the same game. So. Yeah, the panda says, hey, here's, here's the funny. The panda says, dude, Robotech was my childhood. Here's the irony of my life. My son is uh, in in really into... Um, don't know what they're called. I always space it every time on the show when I try to say what they're he's into. He's into Japanese comic books, which are called something manga. He's my son's really into manga, like really, like he has this huge collection of manga. He's really into manga. He's really into Japanese a Japanese animation. I cannot get him to watch Robotech. <laughs> it's the only Jap. I've watched all this Japanese imagine uh, imagine a Japanese. Uh, animation that he's had me watch and to be honest i just i don't i don't get it i i, I mean it's fine i just sit through it but i'm like oh but, but but i like robotech somebody says anime sorry if i call it animation instead of anime japanese anime um and uh and uh like i said that's my bonding moment like we'll watch robotech and i'll like it and he'll he don't want to watch it so one day i'll get him to watch it okay <laughs> again sidetrack back to guitars maybe uh, the next one is, um, from David who says, I, I damaged my headstock on my 20, on my 20 Mustang. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Uh, repaired it. Well, I wonder which harms the value more leave the damage or buy a factory replacement neck. Um, that's a good question. I mean, cause once you do a, even a factory replacement neck, it's a parts guitar. And then it's got to be a parts guitar. That's a that's an interesting question in the, that I don't know the answer to, but it is interesting, right? What is better, having a repaired damaged guitar or a parts guitar? Because that's how we kind of kind of 
thought of. And it's weird about parts guitars. If you think about it, you can get away with murder on a guitar until until they get to the neck. So for instance, you know, you get a guitar, you swap the pickups, you swap the swap the bridge, you swap right, you swap the electronics, and everybody's like, ah, eh, it's got swapped out stuff. But once you swap a neck, just that one thing, right? If you put the original tuning keys back on the neck, the original nut back on the neck, all the original, you know, bridge pickups, it's still considered a parts guitar. It's not the original guitar because the neck's been swapped. It's kind of funny how that works. Um um, it's kind of funny. I think I like, again, I've said this all the time. I don't know anything about cars, but I assume his cars got to be worked the same way, right? You swap the engine and that's like a big deal, right? So, uh, so, uh, same thing. What's better, a rebuilt engine or a, a new engine dropped in a car? So I think the same thing. I would think that re, uh, I think a repair might pull a little bit more value than replace, but either way, you're going to have to deal with it. It's a, it's an interesting question. I'm going to look. Because I'm sure you can look around on Reverb and see on guitars and see which ones got hit harder. Tim says, hey, Phil, happy Friday. Thanks for the Friday tradition. You know, it is a tradition. I, I thank you for saying that. He says, help me start my weekend. I agree. I think it's like I said, if this was, this is like a virtual hangout every Friday. We kind of have this thing where we hang out. And... By the way, uh, last super chat of the day is Ray, uh, Ray Sewell. So, uh, and then I'll, I'm going to hit some non-super chats and stuff and talk about some other stuff. Uh, Morgan says, hey, thanks. Thanks so much for the show, Phil. Love the PRS Paul's Guitar SE and Hollow Body SE. Thank you. I'm glad you do. I, I um, Some of you guys caught it. Side note. Uh, I did the, uh, when I did the uh, attenuator video, you know, Ox versus Captor, um, it's kind of a funny video. In that video, a couple of you said like, hey, is that a new PRS? And it is, it's an SE. And um, and uh, it was a gift. I got a PRS SE as a gift. And what's interesting about that SE is, is it's a limited edition color. I guess it was limited to a, mu some music store uh, had a limited run of that color. It's a PRS Custom 22 semi-hollow SE. And I'm actually going to do my own sharp max and, uh, you know, on it. In other words, uh, not like a video, but I'm going to swap the pickups on it. I actually probably won't swap anything else. I like everything else. I might swap the pickups, maybe locking keys, but I don't even know if I'm going to do that. I like it just the way it is. I just have some pickups. I'd like to drop in there and see what happens. Um, and, uh, I, I really like it. And one of the reasons is I just really, like I told you guys this before, I like PRS core guitars. I mean, they're, they're, they're. They're dandy, but I find myself more and more just going, you know, the S2s and the SEs, they feel great. They, right. I just throw in the pickups I like, and I'm just good. Um, again, kind of like this traveling, you know, like, Hey, let's go down this rabbit hole of trying all these high end guitars and see what I get. And it's not that I don't think they're worth it. I just, there's just comfort, physical comfort things I like about some of the lesser price, uh, PRSs. In fact, I can tell you right now, um, I prefer them. I prefer SEs and S2s in the comfort, the way the body contours are. I, I, I like everything. Um, uh, I like them more than the cores. Uh, I just kind of like, you know, the fit finish on the cores a little bit. So there you go. That's where that... So if you see that guitar and you're like, what is that? That's where it is. And then I'll eventually tell you about how I got the gift and all that stuff. It came with a nice letter. It's a nice... It was a really nice, interesting thing. It happened. It was really weird. <laughs> and that's why I got to wait to tell you guys, because I'll probably do a video on the guitar and then that'd be a great time to talk about how that all went down and what the hell was that? Because it was strange. 
in a positive way, but strange. Uh, Brian says, hey, Phil, on the Squire Classic Vibe telly, uh, is swapping out the saddles as easy as it seems? Sure, of course. Uh, I like to switch out the compensated saddle. Oh, I'd like to switch to compensated saddles. Uh, is there any added work? Nope. Uh, obviously you'll swap them out and you got to intonate the guitar. That's pretty simple. You're just going to adjust them, uh, you know, adjust them. (laughs) That's it. I have a, how to intonate your guitar video. Um, it's again, like I told you earlier tonight, tech tip video, it's very to the point. 90% 90% of the time, it'll nail you there. And if not, then, of course, you got to deep dive after your problems after that. But uh, 90% of the time, it's going to just exactly what you need. Super easy. Um, okay. Again, <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't want to say their name wrong. I'm going to Google it, though, and figure it out for next time. It says, uh, but here's a question. The question is, there is no boundaries in love of music passion for gear and goodness in people. China is a big country and there are tons of people uh, just like you. I 100% agree, by the way. I I don't know where this is going, but I want to kind of hit on it. Uh, We love music. We are gear nerds and uh, please show some love. And you know what? That's what I kind of talk about when I say it's weird to me why... I mean, I understand the world's a crazy platform right now. And there's, like I said, again, we're not going to get political. We're not going to get this. What's funny to me is like, I've, I've had trouble with this over the years with the channel where, you know, I talked to somebody and I, and I want you to be very clear. I'll use one as example is like Shiji guitars and Inkshi guitars. And I want you to be very, I want to be very clear. These are people, uh, and in a lot of cases, they're people that, you know, probably work for a big factory or big corporation, you know, and then they literally started on their own. No different than, than anyone in the world. They literally are going, okay, I was working like somebody works for Fender and they go, I'm going to start my own small shop and start making my own guitars. And to me, that's different than the big corporation vibe. It's different than some of the government lines. So yeah, I, uh, great for pointing that out because I agree hundred percent, which is why I try not to. And I want to be very, very clear. And again, you know, it's one of those things. You just got to say it. I don't care uh, what everybody's beliefs are. I don't care if you hate something or like something. I don't care if you're for or against something. Uh, I don't really focus on that. And it's not some kind of, uh, it's not some kind of bullshit thing that I'm putting out there because I don't want to lose subscribers or I don't want this or I want to make sure everybody's happy. I just don't care. I only care about what I, what connects me to people. I care about if you like guitar, if you like music. Um, this is a, a very, I understand all those things matter and we do have to you know think about them as people, but the time I spend with you guys here in this environment, I want it to be about music and guitars. And I understand that because we're gear nerds, we care about how things are made and where they're made and why they're made. And that's why I address those things. And I, I always broach on those because I think it's important. And the reality is, is that we'll always talk about it on this channel, but I want to be real clear again. Um, same thing. I will review a $500 guitar. I review a $5,000 guitar. I review a $50 guitar. Um, because I figure it's like everything you got to go. I'm, I'm doing, like I said, I'm a surrogate. That's what YouTubers have become if they're doing it right. And I hope I'm doing it even half right. A surrogate is just, you can't touch this stuff. Like, you know what I mean? She, she doesn't have a guitar anywhere. I'm not saying you should buy the guitar because again, like I told you, I don't care what you guys buy. I just 
I just want to give you the information, good and bad. This is what I think. It's what I think. And uh, you, uh, if you're, and I believe this, if you watch enough of any channel, I don't care if you think that channel is full of crap or if you think they're transparent and honest, whatever you th think is, is fine. Those are usually vibes is what I find. People, people vibe a thing. This person vibes like they're telling the truth. This person feels like crap. In fact, I love it whenever I, I, every time I really am passionate about something, somebody goes, oh, you're a corporate shell. And I'm like, right. Well, you know what? When you fall in love with a girl, your friends can't stand to listen to you talk about her for the same reason. When I'm really in love with a product, it does come across like I'm a sham wow guy because I'm just a little overly excited, which is why sometimes I wait and tame down because I don't want to give that vibe. But the point of the story is it doesn't matter if the if a channel is full of crap or if they're transparent or what you vibe about them. The reality is, is just like this live show. If you watch enough of anybody, you'll figure out what's going on, right? It's like, again, if you play poker enough times with somebody, you find their tell. Everyone who's been watching me for years or months, I love it. They put in the comments all the time. They know no matter what I say or think, they got the vibe. And most of the time, they're right. Because, again, I can try to spin things nice or bad or be in a mood or not be in a mood. But, again... You kind of get the vibe. And so, like I said, I try, I've been, over the years, I used to say, like, I, everybody, like I told you this before, every channel does this. I used to do this a long time ago. Very, very sparingly did I say this, but I, I probably have said it, where I said, I only, I only do videos of stuff I like. That's not true anymore. Hasn't been true for years. I do videos of anything I think you guys will watch, anything you guys think will find interesting, anything I think that will expose in an interesting positive or negative way. It's why I still do videos like guitars in all 50 states and I still do reviews and I jump all over the place and I do interviews with like Michael Badio. It's because I'm just trying to create content that I find interesting so I can stay in a certain mood that makes hopefully something entertaining for everybody and fun. Cause I like a lot of people that have, if they have the balls to say this, I have no idea what I'm doing and none of you do either. We're all just on this internet platform doing stuff and at the end of this, really what I care about is one day when I look back at all these videos that are just stuck out there on the internet, I like to be like, that wasn't horrible. <laughs> I could have said and done worse. <laughs> There's my speech. I feel speechy today. I apologize. <laughs> uh, Telecaster48, thank you for supporting the channel, man. I appreciate that. Jim Woodward said, thanks for this. I think he means the show. Uh, Phil, I wanted to say that YouTube forgot it was Built by people who were fed up with mainstream. Exactly. Uh, I love. That's why I love it. He says uh, media, media and celebs forgot where it came from. I I agree, man. I love it. I I agree, man. It's 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 great. Um, I I uh, I a hundred percent agree. That's why I said I think I think that's why this this uh, podcast live podcast like a lot of live shows would do well. I think it does well because I think I can make a video showing you a piece of product or doing an instructional thing, and I think that's interesting. But I think it's more interesting to know like when you're hanging out here, we're just we're just shooting the shit. You know what I mean? I know I'm cursing a lot, but I just kind of feel like coming across that way right now. Um, this is it. This is the agenda. You guys toss me a couple of bucks like a live band. If I do a super chat, I try to grab some non-super chats. We all just kind of talk about guitars. You guys pick the subjects. I start every show. I love it. Every freaking week, 240 weeks now, somebody always says to me, when they bump into me, what are you going to talk about on this week's show? And I always say, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I have no idea. 
I'm just reading comments and going off the cuff. So I think that's why other channels and this channel, I think that's what we like. And again, because it's community and it's community because again, it's not pre preloaded stuff. So great. Again, and one more time, just to reiterate, I think if we focus on how the fact that we're all guitar players, musicians, I think that's what really is important. At the, at the end of all this, that's all that matters. Everything else the world can fight about. But us, we're hanging out on a Friday talking about the things we love. That's good for us, man. I literally couldn't imagine a better situation other than being in person. Like if I could hang out with you physically in a, in a place, that would be way better than this. But that's not going to happen. <laughs> Ray says, beer on him. And he says, uh, best tube screamer to pair with a super reverb. Um, you know, uh, I really like the red dirt by Keeley and that pedal was funny. <laughs> one of you guys, one of viewers stopped me at a guitar center to say, hi, you know, Hey, uh, you know, and, and the way that you guys say it, that I love, I love when you guys say, Hey, do you do YouTube videos? I'm like, I do. <laughs> and then they go, um, yeah. And they go, uh, I like what you do. And they were talking, they said, I play the, the, the red dirt. It's like the best pedal ever. And I'm like, Oh, cool. And they go, uh, you know, you need to try it. And sometimes, you know, that's what happens. I go somewhere and somebody's like, Hey, Phil, you need to try this. You need to try that. And that's great. But he was really not, you know, dialing it down. It was like, man, you got to try this, like the greatest pedal ever. And so I got home and I started thinking about going, well, I'm, I'm friends with Robert Keeley and those guys. So I sent Robert Keeley, uh, an email and I said, or I might've messaged him, but either way, text or email. And I said, Hey, I said, can I check out a red dirt? And I didn't look into it. I didn't know what the hell was going on. And he's like, sure. Literally, <laughs> literally, it came the next day. I don't know if he overnighted it or just life worked out that way, but it got there the next day. It was crazy. Got it, plugged in the guitar amp, and I didn't know, but it's a basically a tube screamer. And it's a tube screamer that's got like this better mids. And um, and at f my first reaction was loved it. My second reaction was, oh my God, this is 200 bucks. It's basically a tube screamer, <laughs> But I'll tell you, I honestly believe this. And you can pick them up used if you don't want to pay the price. That's the great thing about pedals. Uh, you can buy it newer used. Um, man, it kicks. And so I would recommend that pedal because I'm pretty much, I got rid of all of my tube screamers except for one. I have a 1984 uh, TS9 and um, they're like worth 300 bucks. And that's the only reason I'm not getting rid of it because I know it's not going to go down, right? It just stays. And I'll sell it one day when it hits some price, you know, that, that makes sense. Cause I'm, I'm into it for like 200 bucks. So it's not like a, you know, and, uh, but that's it, man, the red dirt for me. So that's what I would su suggest to you. Check it out. If you can, there was a mini red dirt, but they, I guess they don't make them anymore, but definitely check them out. Uh, cause you know why I love two screamers, but some of the things that people don't like about two screamers, I have the same problem. They kind of push the highs on the amp a little weird. And that's great when you're live. Cause it's like, in your face, which is what you're trying to do when you're live, right? Trying to let people know you're here. I'm here to play music and you're here to listen. And this is how we're going to get your attention. Tube screamers get people's attention. This is the problem though, is in your bedroom. Not so much. <laughs> you don't need your own attention. So I like that it doesn't uh, give me those upper highs that I don't like so much. So... Uh, Sean says, Robert Keeley is so cool. I wish I could work uh, for them. You know what? I can tell you right now, if there was one company I could ever work for in the industry, like, you know, hey, I got to, you know, I'm not doing YouTube. I'd like to work for, it would be Robert Keeley. That guy's seriously 
as you guys know, I, I love Lawrence LPD pedals. Uh, you know, I've, I, I love Larry DiMargio. I've, I mean, I've met so many people in this industry and there's so many I could just, I mean, I feel bad if I don't, John at Bad Cat. There's so many people I've met who literally has nothing to do with YouTube, just personal conversations of joy all the time. And I look forward when the phone rings, I look forward to like, what are we going to talk about? It's going to be something great. And I can tell you with Robert, he is is true, and that's what everybody cares about, right? You care about, are they who they seem to be? He is true to who you think he is, man. That guy is literally, whatever you think of Robert Keeley and his, as you've seen him as a persona, he seems like a super nice guy. He's way nicer than that. He's super nice. Super, super nice. So, um, and then uh, we'll end on this note. Brian says, uh, Brian S. Guitar says, I like the cranked clon over the Tube Screamer. A lot of people do. That's kind of what I liked about this Red Dirt. It was kind of like, okay, I'm not in the clon territory and I'm not in the Tube Screamer territory. And that was kind of like a sweet spot for me. Um, so, you know, and I change. So, you know, I change sometimes. You could ask me the six months from now and I'll be like, I like a boost pedal. Cause a lot of times I just like boost pedals. But sometimes I'm in a tube screamer mood. Again, it has to do with the amp, the guitar I'm using all the time. You know, what I hear in my ears. <laughs> it just happens, you know. Um, but I like it. All right. We did it. <laughs> we, we, uh, let me try to do one more. We got to, let's do one bonus. Let's do. Um, front level midnight. Uh, I always do this, right? One more, and then this isn't it. And that's what I'm going to say right now. One more, and this is not even. Uh, Fret Level Midnight says, Shiji needs to lower their prices by several hundreds of dollars before I'd uh, consider buying one. Their prices are, are laughable. Look, I, I talked to uh, 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 Dave at Shiji, you know, um, about this. Uh, so you guys know, I was very upfront. I like all the videos. I always tell you guys the, the, the as much of the dirt as I can tell you guys that's interesting, it helps you. When I did... Um, when I did Inkshi guitars, I mentioned that I talked to Moland, uh, which is the guy who runs Inkshi, because, you know, it doesn't matter. It's a lot of story, but but Moland and Dave used to work together, and now they don't. Now there's Inkshi and Shiji and whatever have you. And uh, like always in those things, I always try to be uh, as ethical as possible and just say, okay, I'll either work with neither of you or both. And I've done that many times, and I don't know if it works out for me in the end. It usually doesn't, but I do it. And so I work with both of them. And here's the deal. I gave them both the same advice because they needed it, which is I told Mo, I said, dude, your guitars are just too high. I mean, I'm not, no one's going to buy those guitars for those prices. And he was able, he lowered it a little bit, but I think it was still too high. I talked to Dave at Shiji. I said the same thing. And I will, I want to just tell you this because it's important. The, the pain in his tone that he can't. I don't know why he can't. That's why I said I started this earlier in the show when I said all of a sudden there's these guitars and they're just they're not cheap. They're super expensive. I mean, let me put it this way. I got the impression because I agree with you, by the way. Fret level midnight, we're on the same page, man. I'm not, I'm not. I told him this is what I'm exactly what I told him. The the Shiji telly is one of the best tellies I've ever played. Put it put it in my top 10 tellies of all time. No one's going to pay more than what I can buy a Mexican player's telly for, which is, by the way, considerably less than his. And even though he's got some cool upgrades over that, like, because remember, they make a roasted maple neck uh, uh, player's telly as well. So I'm talking about that because this is a roast maple neck. 
Um, I think the finish on the Shiji was better. The color was cooler. The the colors he's offering, a couple of them, like that gold one, really cool. I didn't see that offered. That's got to be worth something. Like I said, the upgraded bridge, I thought the pickups were a little better. There's a couple of things. The case, it comes with a nice gig bag, not a case, but a really nice gig bag, a couple other accoutrements. And again, okay, but Shiji versus Fender, I mean, realistically, he's got to do all that. And then if they were the same price, it's still a tough sell. But at least it's like, okay, do you care about the Fender branding or do you care to get a little extra more for your money? And same price. And then you got to add in, he's selling an AliExpress, which is just dodgy as hell. Uh, and that's why you guys have seen the Shiji guitar for the last few months in the background of videos. That's why the video is not out. Because at some point, this is going to be the video, just like the the Inkshi guitar video, which is it's great, but these are the issues. And I and I told him, I go, you got to you got to resolve this. And I'm telling you, I don't know, I don't I don't see a I don't see a I don't see a happy ending in this story. I don't see he can. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. And fret level saying the market dictates the price. Well, ac- absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, and that's the reality of it. The reality is, you know. I, I, here's what I will tell you. I, I mean, no exaggeration. Um, $8.99, which is a lot. I'd be a buyer for a Shishi on that, on that telly for $8.99. Uh, I definitely would buy it for 900 bucks. Now that's with me having hindsight of played it and knowing what I'm getting and already having it. But I don't know if I could say that openly if I was going to say, okay, well, I just watched a video about it and some guy said it was pretty cool. And then now I got to buy it on AliExpress and see how that works. <laughs> um, but so, you know, I can only do what I can do, which is I tell the companies like, Hey, this is what I think you're going to see. This is what the comments are going to, you know, and ultimately what nobody wants to see is, uh, they send out the guitar. I do the video, they get 20,000, 50,000, 5,000, doesn't matter. They get whatever views and then it ends, uh, like it ends flat. That's how I feel the Inkshi video went. You guys, I don't know how many views it got, 30,000 maybe. And the video was basically exactly what we're all saying right now. Fantastic looking guitar, Phil. Great, uh, 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 great, you know, options, but no way am I a buyer for almost a grand. And, uh, yeah, um, as I tell you right now, I will tell you this, what I will suggest to you, and I said this before, but I'll say it again. When I do videos on those products, if it doesn't end up helping them with sales, which is not always the case, like I said, I'm not really interested in sales. I always, I, I always call to you guys to say, be helpful with your comments. I mean, of course people are going to put like China, screw that. I'm not doing that. That guy's out there. Fine. Let that guy be his thing. But what I'm telling you is these people, uh, these people being these small builders, they read those comments and you can affect change on them. Um, to some degree. Think about this. And we'll end on this note. My uh, year in review video will have an update on the Colos guitar. If you guys don't know what that is. And it's, uh, and what ended up happening after the Colos video and why you never saw another Colos, even though there was a lot of work done. So again, like I said, if we can't, you know, we're a guitar community. We're here to, to talk guitars, whether it's with companies or people. So uh, Eric says, I love the KYG shirt. Yeah, my wife made this for me. We did some uh, Teespring ones uh, and I got some and you guys said that the the colors were crap. They were. And I don't know what is Teespring. My wife made one. You can buy one like this in white. The whole logo is white. It's the only way we get Teespring not to screw it up. So uh, if you guys like this logo, this is the, officially, this is the podcast logo. See, if I was doing the branding correctly, which I never do, this is the podcast logo, which is why it's in the corner 
right there. And, and uh, the stick figures are the YouTube logo. That's kind of how the marketing is supposed to work, but I'm just all over the place as always. And, uh, uh, and uh, what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say, uh, so if you want one, to, you know, for some reason in white, they have them in white on Teespring. Um, what I asked my wife is about maybe doing a limited run of these and having somebody local make them. And then, you know, then sell them to you guys so that we know we have control. Because, again, um, anytime Teespring, you guys, anytime I get complaints about Teespring, I'm pretty on it about either correcting, removing the shirts. You know what I mean? Like I said, sometimes they do stuff fine, and sometimes they're just a disaster. It's weird. So, oh, Mark said, there not there a giveaway? There is a giveaway. There is a giveaway. And I'm just going to not do it again because I'm all over the place. Guitar Crate. It's going to give us a $45 Guitar Crate to give away. I have to pick somebody and um how am i gonna do that uh what let's see hold on a second looking at the so i gotta figure out an idea <laughs> landon bailey says know your logos yes there you go okay Um, all right. I did. I'm, again, I apologize. I like, I, I just pick things randomly. I know we need to come up with some official way of doing stuff. Tactical six string. You just won because I liked crate me. <laughs> and I like that you put the exclamation mark first. And I like that because, uh, for, to, to point out something I, I love, I love when, um, remember I told you guys bad ideas are infectious. Um, and, and uh, if you guys that follow the show, which is my which is my statement that when somebody does something bad, that then other people follow that, like other companies, right? So somebody does something stupid, then another company does something stupid. What's funny is I started saying on the channel, and I still do, hey, put the question mark first, and then that way I know you're talking to me. And I did that because I had no idea, apparently, that if you just put the at symbol before my name, that would also get my attention because it would that would let me know you're talking to me because it would say Philip McKnight in a red box. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's not what's funny about this. What's funny was I just said question marks first, which by the way, I'll probably keep going with cause I, I did it. My point is I did that as a way to fix a problem with my, but not knowing cause of my ignorance that there was already a way to kind of get my attention. What I thought was funny now is I've watched a couple of YouTube channels and now they're saying that. <laughs> and what I love is one, I know where they got it from cause it was this craziness. And two, it was my bad idea. And now it's infected other channels. So now we've spread the community of that, which is question marks at the beginning. So tactical six string, the fact that you had an exclamation mark at the front and it said crate me, which just made me laugh. So you get the guitar crate. Um, what I will do is like, we talk about giving away two today because I'm back one. What I'll do is on the on the live show replay, when I am uh, index this, obviously in a few minutes when this ends, I'm going to index all the questions. I will create a link to enter to win the other one. Um, so that all you guys can enter to win if you'd like to win. All right. Now we will give it, and then we'll, I'll pull a winner. I'll pull a winner like midweek or something like that. Let people who are watching the rebroadcast try to win too. So that's, that's kind of nice too. All right. On that note, I'm gonna let you guys go. Now you're all doing the ad for McKnight thing. It's awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much. You guys made Friday awesome. Um, by the way, uh, side note, uh, tomorrow I'm going to have a, a know your gear, uh, Christmas party, which is uh, exciting. So friends, family, uh, we're going to go to dinner. It's going to be great. All right. On that note, I'll let you guys go. 
till the next time, which is next Friday, the 17th at the same time. Uh, you guys uh, have a great week. Play guitar, have fun, and uh, know your gear, and I'll let you go. <laughs>